0: Perfect. Hi, everyone. I will call to order the June um, 5th um, of 2023 meeting of the City of Kirkland Design Review Board, and we'll begin with roll call.
1: Randall Brand. Present. Carlos Castaneda. Present. Shoshana Cohen. Fatima Kohan.
2: Supriya Kelkar. Present. Tyler Schmidt, Amy Tars. Present. Thanks. All right.
0: Okay. Um, Since that we have no minutes to read and/or approve tonight, so I'll go ahead and announce the agenda. Um, so tonight, um tonight's agenda is uh, a design response conference or uh, the Modern Modera Bright Trails file number DRB 23-00164. And that's all that we have um, tonight in addition to an administrative item. So now is the time for any members of the public uh, or audience who wish to speak on any items that are not related to tonight's agenda. Um, City, do we have any anybody
3: in the list? We do, however, I think um, the people in attendance are here for the, um, the design response conference. So we'll hold the public comment till then.
0: Perfect, all right, well, let's just dive right into this uh, Modera Bright Trails project. So I'll turn it into the staff to begin the presentation.
4: All right, thank you, uh, Tony Levitt, senior planning planner with the City of Kirkland. Uh, one housekeeping item: um, I just uh, I did forward you a email that we received from um, David Pomeroy earlier today. Uh, that's the only public comment that I did receive before the the start of this meeting. So I just wanted to bring that up. And so I will now dive into my staff presentation. One second here. Okay, great. So, yes, again, we're here for the Madera Bridal Trails project. This is the design response conference, the first design response conference that we've had for this application. Tonight, the goal for the meeting is to have the DRB uh, conduct a design response conference. Uh, First, we want you to review um, how the application applicant has responded to the DRB's direction from the conceptual design conference. We'll review the project for consistency with the design guidelines and provide feedback to the applicant, and also consider any public comments. I did just want to outline the DRB's authority. Um, first, the DRB is uh, their first authority is to review the project for consistency with the applicable design guidelines. In this case, it's the design guidelines for pedestrian oriented business districts. Um, and also, the DRB would review, if applicable, any zoning regulations that require the DRB approval. Um, DRB does not review uh, the, the building permit that is done by staff, and we will look at staff looks at that um, for permitted uses, heights, Lot coverage setbacks rooftop appurtenances parking site access affordable housing requirements. Um, additional piece is the SEPA determination, um, and that would that will be uh, done um, prior to the issuance of the DRB's uh, formal written decision, and that is something that uh, is done by staff and uh, would typically look at, in this case, uh, would look at with traffic impacts. So I just wanted to highlight those um, uh, authorities. So So as far as the uh, subject property is concerned, uh, you may recall um, the property is located at um, the corner of 130th and Avenue Northeast and Northeast 70th place. Uh, The site currently contains the Tech City Bowl Center and a small commercial building. Um, Around the subject property is um, to the south and east is the bridal trails shopping center Um, to the west is a residential apartment development and to the north is a single family, uh, single family homes and a commercial development. The applicant uh, is requesting approval of a five story mixed use project. Um, with approximately 368 residential units and approximately 7,000 square feet of retail space. Um, The applicant is proposing to uh, provide all parking for the project within structure parking that'd be located below the building. Um, Access to the site is from 70th place and uh, 130th Avenue Northeast. Um, As far as the uh, conceptual design conference was concerned, you may recall we did have two uh, conceptual design conferences in this case. Uh, First was held on June 20th and second was held on August 22nd of last year. Um, the DRB provided direction to the applicants in preparation for this design response conference. Um, the DRB expressed a preference for the massing option three, which you see here, um, and that was presented at the uh, August 22nd meeting. You may recall um, the applicant did a, a dramatic uh, change to the project um, from that first conceptual to the second conceptual to, to really address the the concerns that the board had regarding the mass of the building. As you can see, they. They really kind of uh, did a good job of of providing breaking up that mass with with this with this second um, uh, option that they provided. Um, As part of the discussion, uh, the DRB requested the following items um, as far as this as part of this submittal. Uh, First, they wanted to see 3D massing or a sketch up model of the building to help visualize massing and design treatments. They wanted to see further developments of the vertical and horizontal modulation. to. reduce the perceived mass of the building. Uh, they want to see, you guys want to see detailed plans for um, pedestrian sidewalks and or walkways, uh, additional development of the pedestrian plaza areas along the east access road, including amenities um, to provide uh, detailed hardscape and landscape plans to provide a detailed lighting plan for plaza and sidewalk areas. And finally, to provide a um, final design for the trash staging area that was um, being located um, along 130th. Um, Tonight, we're going to focus on these uh, design topics. I'm going to go into a little bit each of these in more detail. But uh, the design topics are building scale, pedestrian oriented elements, open space and landscaping. Uh, building materials colors and details uh, commercial use requirements along the through block pathways and finally residential frontage uh, limitation along northeast 70th place. The first uh, design topic to discuss tonight is building scale. Um, the design guidelines provide the following statements to address the scales of the buildings. Uh, vertical building modulation should be used to add a variety and to make large buildings appear to be an aggregation of smaller buildings. Um, additional statement encourage a variety of horizontal mo- building modulation techniques to reduce the architectural scale of the building as vid- visual interest. Uh, encourage a combination of architectural building elements that lend the, the building a human scale avoid blank walls near sidewalks uh, major walkways parks and pedestrian areas and finally to mitigate the intrusive qualities of parking garages uh, look to uh, do extensive landscaping to screen those uh, near residential areas and high high visibility areas so the um, discussion items for tonight uh, are uh, do the buildings provide enough horizontal and vertical modulation when viewed from key vantages? Um, What recommendations does the DRB have about the upper floor uh, modulation? Uh, Do the facades include enough fenestration and architectural building elements? And finally, if there are any applicable uh, blank walls, the treatment of those blank walls. The second uh, topic we're going to look at is pedestrian oriented elements. Uh, The guidelines provide the following statements um, regarding that. Um, streets and pathways should enhance the pedestrian experience and find opportunities to provide passive seating areas, cafe seating, green space, etc. Awnings or canopies should be required on facades facing pedestrian-oriented sidewalks. Uh, Successful pedestrian-oriented plazas are generally located in sunny areas along a well-traveled pedestrian route. Plazas must uh, provide plenty of sitting areas and amenities and give people a sense of enclosure and safety. And finally, plazas should be located facing pedestrian-friendly building fronts near intersecting through block pathways and where transit uh, areas are located. Um, so tonight's discussion items are the proposed sidewalk plans, adequate that the applicant is showing, and do the proposed courtyards, uh, which were discussed as part of the conceptual design conference, uh, provide enough amenities for residents and visitors? As far as open space and landscaping are concerned, um, you know, really the, the the guidelines focus more on um, using landscaping to help to, to to mitigate the massing of the the building. Um, you know, provide. Um, uh, green spaces within uh, the uh, plaza areas and just really kind of to help, um, you know, uh, make the the air those areas more um, uh, inviting and comfortable for the visitors um, landscaping around buildings um, can help also reduce scale and add diversity um, through pattern and color. And finally, the other issue we want to look at is for um, the building entrances and making sure that they um, have extensive lighting and and, uh, provide um, lighting also along the pathways and within those plaza areas. Um, So some of the discussion items for tonight are what changes are needed to the landscape, if any. Uh, Are there any other opportunities for additional landscaping on this site? And uh, look at the applicant's proposed lighting plan and also um, look at the trash staging area that I mentioned previously. As far as colors and details, um, the, the the design guidelines are, are pretty broad in this. But um, some of the kind of some of the discussion points they add, um, you know, where appropriate, the use of natural colors of materials such as brick, stone, and tile and wood um, is appropriate. We don't want to. Sometimes don't want to see those painted too much. You, we'd like to see those natural colors uh, emphasized. Um, utilize earth tones or subdued colors such as barn red and blue gray for building walls and large surfaces, um, reserve bright colors for trims or accents. Um, also, you want to consider the, the, na- the colors of neighboring buildings uh, and, and make sure that the, the proposed building colors fit in with what's around it. Um, and additionally, in the Bridal Trails Neighborhood Center, there is a guideline that says that special attention to the use of colors and materials should be used on the building's upper stories to reduce the appearance of taller buildings. Um, so tonight, we're going to want you to look at those and provide uh, comments on the applicant's um, color and material choices. So one of the items that, um, that we're going to look for your input on is the, um, uh, as far as zoning. So I'm going to focus, uh, on the, the kind of the main key zoning regulations now. Um, and one of the items we're going to want to have you provide comments on is the commercial use requirements. Um, so the code says the zoning, uh, uh, Regulations say that development shall contain commercial uses oriented to adjoining arterials and through block pathways, the location and frontages of these commercial uses shall be reviewed through the design review for consistency with applicable guidelines or regulations Um, as far as the uh, guidelines, what they say is that. the continuous commercial building fronts should be provided along adjoining arterials and through block pathways. Consideration should be made to maximize the usage of through block pathways with commercial and other public activations. Any non-commercial building fronts should be located in areas where less successful commercial activity may occur. Special attention should be made in locating commercial building fronts near intersecting through block pathways and where transit center services are located. So with the applicant's uh, plans, they are providing um, commercial spaces along northeast 70th place, um, which is a minor arterial. Um, The applicant, as part of their application, has requested that the commercial uses not be required along the through through block pathway, which would basically be on the east and south frontages of the structure. Um, The applicant provides an analysis um, as part of their package um, to support this request. Uh, The stated reasons for their request are along the eastern frontage, uh, the applicant states that existing conditions, including the driveway on the neighboring property, lack of access to parking on the neighboring property, and steep grade changes will make commercial uses along this facade impractical. Along the south frontage the applicant um, has stated that the existing frontage conditions on the neighboring property, including loading areas, a large blank facade a drive lane and restricted parking do not create the visibility pedestrian or vehicular access and ambience necessary for viable commercial uses. Um, the applicant is proposing uh, within the southeast corner of the developments, um, they are proposing residential amenity space that will help to activate the corner of the developments. This space will include meeting and work areas, a fitness center, and entrance to the residential building. The space will be designed to meet commercial standards and would allow for conversion uh, to commercial uses if it becomes viable in the future. Um, staff has reviewed this requests and finds the applicant makes a compelling argument for not requiring commercial uses along these two facades uh, the proposed uses and design of the southeast corner may help to activate that corner of the building or provide an opportunity for conversion to commercial space in the future if redevelopment uh, allows and potentially make the the um and again make the space more viable so tonight we're looking for uh the design review um, to review this, the applicant's request, and determine if it complies uh, with the applicable design guidelines. Uh, the second design—I'm gu- sorry—second uh, rate zoning regulation we're going to want to have you provide um, guidance on is a uh, requirement for uh, residential linear frontage. Um, so, right. So, the the way the code reads as far as the. Uh, Um, zoning regulation lobbies and amenity space for residential or assisted living uses may be allowed within the commercial frontage provided they do not exceed 20 percent of the building's linear frontage along the street or through block pathway the design review board may approve a minor increase to the ground floor residential lobbies amenities if they're connected to the retail use and the design of the ground floor frontage will maximize visual interest um, so you can see here on the right, these are the plans that the applicant has provided. Um, so the top one would basically shows the what they've done is um, incorporated um, a plaza into that space. Well, what that the the unintended consequence of that is increases the the amount of linear frontage that they have um, uh, for the I'm sorry, the residential use. Um, so right now they're showing approximately thirty-four point three percent of the linear frontage would be would be residential. Um, so they are requesting a fourteen point three percent increase. Um, the applicant on the bottom she kind of shows what happens if you didn't have that that plaza uh, as far as the retail and just and just how. By creating this space, this it, it kind of, you know, um, creates this additional um, linear frontage uh, that the applicant is requesting. Um, so staff has reviewed this request and agrees with the applicant's analysis. Uh, their proposed open space will create an active and engaging frontage along 70th. Uh, will be connected to the retail space and design of the frontage will maximize visual interest um, so tonight we're going to looking for the design review to review the applicant's request for an increase in gross floor area and provide guidance on that and the final um, uh, key zoning regulation we're going to look at is the open space and through block pathways um, so the code says the the development shall provide um, publicly accessible Pedestrian open spaces adjacent to street or through block pathways, the open spaces uh, shall contain a minimum of 1000 square feet or one square feet per 2000 200 square feet of above grade area, whichever is greater Um, the size calculation. I won't go into those details, but it gives the exceptions. Um, so the applicant has provided um, an analysis that shows compliance with this this requirement. So we're just really going to want to have you provide um, details on. I'm sorry. Uh, look at the the design of those those plaza spaces. Um, the second element is the uh, the screw block pathway that we discussed um, previously. Um, so this would be basically along the. Um, east side and along the south side um, and that would be a, a pathway that eventually um, with the redevelopment of the neighboring properties would create a um, pedestrian connection um, f- between the north um, northeast 70th and, and the south uh, properties and then also um, two on the the east west plains across the properties so um, again uh, plans show compliance with that with those requirements. Um, So, uh, in conclusion, uh, tonight, again, the action we're going to request from you is to provide feedback on the applicable design guidelines, provide feedback on uh, the design topics that that I just went over, um, consider public comments, and then at the end of the meeting would be to either approve the project or continue the project to a future meeting to address um, items that the uh, DRB outlines for the applicants. So. With that, that concludes my presentation.
0: Thank you very much, Tony, for the yes. explanation. Um, now uh, it will be the time for the applicant to present.
2: Can I ask a question to staff? Sure.
0: OK. So
2: uh, first, thank you, Tony, for a mm-hmm. very comprehensive um, presentation. It was very easy to follow. Um, uh, can you clarify what are the landscape requirements for the streets? Uh, I, I, You know, I mean, I, I'm just trying to understand mm-hmm. what that's shown is proposed by the applicant versus what's required by the transportation department.
4: Yeah, so the the Public Works Department has reviewed the the applicant's proposed design and, and found that it, it complies with it. Um, obviously, there'll be... Um, design there could be design changes as the project proceeds into the building permit stage you know obviously utilities and that kind of thing uh locations can can impact where those those um, trees are going to be located and things like that um but uh the design that the the applicant has presented um has been reviewed by public works and approved by public works oh, Okay. so um
2: so a follow-up question to that um sure. if you can look at page Pages 55 and 56 as examples. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the property line. And um, so the building sits right on the property line, but then there's this strip of like landscaping all along the building. Um, and, um, and, and so is that what is being proposed by the applicant versus what um, the public works department requires? Mm-hmm. For street standards,
4: yeah. Just one second, as my my, my yeah, no computer way. is being a little slow here opening that those plans. Um,
2: if I was using a digital mm-hmm. plan, it will also mm-hmm. be slow for me. Mm-hmm. But I have the paper version, which okay. is <laughs> at
4: least easier. So it was uh, page fifty-five. You're looking at.
2: Yeah, just as an yeah. example. Okay.
4: You know,
5: page fifty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing it, Tony? Sorry. Uh,
4: yeah. Let me let me share that real quick. Um, there we go. There we go. Um, okay. So fifty-five. So you're kind of talking about this this area right here. Is that what you're?
2: Where's your cursor? Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah, yeah, right. kind of. Just, yeah. Just
2: um. um on, on the uh yeah abutting the building
4: mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I, I guess I could probably ask for the applicant to provide more details, but oh, I think okay. that's just, we'll just I think like that a, yeah, yeah okay. I think that's just kind of excess uh, right away that that hasn't been kind of ne- there's not needed uh, for the improvements uh, but they, they can talk a little bit more about that about that that yeah. transition there and then same same thing here, I guess
6: mm-hmm. okay,
2: yeah,
4: okay.
6: Um,
2: yeah, and um and and uh and I would like to request the applicant to explain where you're using those landscape. Um I, I don't know what you would want to call it as buffers uh because of the grade change. And I suspect that's that's why you have it. But anyway, I'll let you go and do your presentation. Thank you.
6: <laughs> thank you.
0: All right, thank you very much. Um, board members. Uh, does anyone have any other questions for Tony? If not, I guess that we can proceed. Is the applicant ready?
7: All right. Yes, we are. Um, thanks, everybody. I'm. I'm actually going to turn off my camera while I present. I Had a few uh, computer issues in the last week, and I. I think we'll have better insured success if I do, just in case. All right, here we are. Let me minimize some things and put us into presentation mode. All right. Thank you, everybody, for having us. Um, We're excited to talk about the progress for this building. And I'm Maggie Carson. I'm the lead designer for the project. I'm with Weber Thompson. Um, With me tonight is also Rachel Meyer, who is my colleague and director of our landscape department, and she'll be talking in more depth about the landscape. I think I can probably skip through a lot of this. Tony did a great introduction. The project is located at the eastern edge of Kirkland in the BCX zone, and the site occupies the northwest corner of that BCX zone. Northeast 70th, which is an arterial, is to the north. To the west is 130th Avenue Northeast, which is currently a dead end residential street, and across that is an apartment complex. To the south and the east is the private property of the Bridal Trail Shopping Center, and at that very northwest corner is an existing pogliachi, which will remain. Um, The only thing I wanna point out on the survey is that the grade does slope uh, from south to north, getting lower as you move north, It's fairly gradual until you get to the most northern part of the site, and there it starts to slope more dramatically, with the most dramatic point being the northeast corner. Here are a few images from around the site. In the top middle image, you can really see where that grade is sloping dramatically. In general, the photos show how lacking the area is for pedestrians currently. There is currently no sidewalk on the northeast or on the 130th frontage for this site, and the only only a narrow sidewalk tight to the roadway along 70th. There are no internal pedestrian walkways within the site or connecting to the adjacent property. The development plan proposes a multi-family residential apartment building with five floors above grade and two floors below. The development will contain approximately 368 apartment homes, commercial spaces fronting 70th and below grade parking. So hopefully everybody remembers the CDC back in December, but just in case, let's kind of briefly go over that. Tony did a great job as well. In that second CDC meeting, the board supported the preferred mapping, which is shown here, and it includes several public open spaces that provide amenities to the public and help with grade transitions. And those are located in yellow on the plan. The preferred design also places through block connections along the Southern and Eastern edges of the site. In the lower right corner of this page, you can see um, that the project proposes a blend of residential apartment homes and more active uses like commercial and residential amenities fronting 70th and the through block connections. Along 70th, the board appreciated the large public open space, although this is just a basic mapping model that you see here, the board noticed the three story corner treatment at that public open space and encouraged gestures like it for modulation. On the northeast corner, the board wanted to see how materiality could add interest and modulation to the facade. On the eastern through block frontage, the board appreciated the large breaks in massing um, to help the building feel more like a collection of smaller buildings. And in general, there was a lot of discussion about what pedestrian amenities would be provided along the through block connections. On the western facade, the board appreciated the three-story massing expression and large break in the upper portion of the building. The board wanted to see how the roof lines could be varied to add interest and help break down the length of the massing. So let's move into how the design has really evolved beyond basic massing. The proposed floor plan is essentially the same as it was before there are two vehicle entries shown with the dark blue arrows one off of northeast 70th and the other off 130th sidewalks and landscaping meet the street requirements on both 70th and 130th through block connections run along both the southern and eastern frontages and we are proposing four public open spaces again shown in yellow around the site as part of enhancing the pedestrian experience the through block connections also meet sidewalk requirements and in some places would offer quite a bit more width and landscaping than what is required. Waste pickup is proposed along 130th, adjacent to the garage entry and rear frontage of Pagliacci. Waste storage would be provided within the parking garage underground. The basic massing is, uh, that's proposed is also the same as before. Along 70th and 130th, there are substantial stepbacks that reduce the scale of the building vertically while large breaks in the massing, leading to open spaces, modulate the building horizontally for pedestrians. That admired three-story corner expression next to the open space on Northeast 70th is amplified in the design by more subtle massing changes and different parapet heights. Um, And it's now on both sides of the open space. Throughout the facades, plane shifts add meaningful transitions between materials, Coupled with cornices, pilasters, canopies and decks, these material and plane changes further modulate the building. And here you can see how those same strategies are used to break down the building scale along the through block pathways. The design design strongly expressed base brings the building down to pedestrian scale, creating continuity, while vertical distinctions of mapping interrupt the base for variety and to highlight the corners per the design guidelines. And this is the culminating expression as would be seen on Northeast 70th. And you can see how the different materials, plane changes, cornices, canopies, et cetera, all that really comes together to modulate the building. We're going to start on this facade and walk around the building looking at massing articulation in more detail. So again, starting here on 70th, by averaging the step backs as allowed for the zoning code, The project is able to create places where upper story uses can overlook the streetscape below while avoiding a wedding cake look, per the design guidelines. Changes in material, colors, and window patterns reinforce modulation in the massing. You can see that more specialized window mullions are planned for the commercial areas, adding detail to these pedestrian important zones. Modeled brick further adds detail, richness, and texture to the pedestrian experience. In general, richer colors are employed towards the base of the building, while lighter colors and more muted tones up top help the upper floors feel lighter. Along the eastern frontage, you can really see how those two large recesses in the massing break down the length of the frontage to feel like three smaller buildings, as well as provide open spaces. The north and south corners propose the same model brick and commercial window details wrapping onto the eastern facade, while the middle portion of the facade is stitched together by the expressed base the dark base design has vertical modules reminiscent of stone fenestration and is seated atop a continuous concrete foundation the design proposes active residential amenities at grade at the southeast corner but the facade and spaces are designed to meet the requirements and guidelines for commercial spaces the same window details modeled brick canopies, and transparency from Northeast 70th are proposed here. The middle of the frontage is interrupted by more public open space. Here, the open space is flanked on either side by wood-look board and batten material, helping to highlight the corners of the massing per the design guidelines. The southern facade illustrates how long stretches of facade can be broken down by a variety of plane shifts, material changes, and varied cornices. The roof line varies in height and treatment per the board direction at CDC2. This view shows the southwest corner of the site where the east west through block connection would begin off of 130th. Much like the massing on 70th, a three story brick podium brings the proposed building down to pedestrian scale. The massing includes a strong modulating cadence of brick pilasters coming to grade in between residential patios, which front the through block pathway. Above, residential amenity spaces provide opportunities for upper story activities to overlook pedestrians below per the design guidelines. The design of the eastern facade is divided into a one-third, two-thirds ratio by a large break-in-the-massing that provides access to a residential courtyard. The -the break-in-the-massing is again flanked by vertical board and batten, wood-look material to highlight the corner per the design guidelines. The northern third of the frontage has a challenging relationship to grade because of the way the site slopes. Here, the project uses that low grade to provide a garage entry ramp, and the location for trash staging where they will be furthest from the nearby residential uses and the through block connection per the board's guidance. The southern two thirds of the facade, which is the majority of the frontage, continues the three story expression of brick pilasters and apartment patios wrapping around from the south facade. Apartment balconies add detail to the facade and take advantage of the quiet residential street frontage. Atop the three-story podium is a residential community roof deck overlooking the streetscape below. And you can see how that all comes together kind of a different vantage point of that view with that amenity space up top and the use of all the the patios and balconies along that residential street frontage. Finally making our way back to the northwest corner Uh, and northeast 70th, you can see how the three-story massing and commercial frontage along 70th wrap to face the existing Pagliacci. The proposed material palette is timeless, warm, and simple. The model brick provides a beautifully worn and mature aesthetic that resonates with the established nature of the neighborhood and surrounding vegetation. Wood-look board and batten adds warmth to the material palette and also relates well to nearby single family vernacular. The neutral colors have sophistication and simplicity, avoiding colorful fabs while varying horizontal modules add detail and scale to the materials without adding fussiness to the facades. We're gonna start looking at more of the pedestrian realm and um, pedestrian experience in public open spaces around the building. The project design focuses on placing uses at grade that best respond to context and will best achieve the goals of the zoning code and design guidelines. Waste pickup and barrage entries are kept away from pedestrian activity as much as possible, while communal and commercial uses are located to activate and engage pedestrians. Commercial uses are proposed along 70th, where they will have the best visibility and viability. They also have good synergy with the large public open space, the residential lobby, and the parking entry on 70th, which makes for the easiest wayfinding for visitors. uh, Residential uses with access to grade are proposed along 130th Avenue Northeast in keeping with the existing apartment complex across the street, the mature existing landscaping there. These residential uses wrap the Southwest corner continuing the mixed use feel of the new BCX zoning. Another large public open space, followed by residential amenity spaces at the southeast corner, activates the nexus of the through block connections. And finally, public open spaces and a small segment of residential apartments would help transition grade along the eastern frontage and the through block connection. Per the zoning code, the project must provide at least 2,053 square feet of public open space. An effort to create a pedestrian-friendly experience and set the expectation for public engagement, the project is proposing over three times that which is required by code. So, what are all these open spaces doing for the development and BSEX zone as a whole? And we're going to walk through the frontages and open spaces one by one. And my colleague Rachel is going to kick us off with that. Rachel,
8: thanks, Maggie. <clears throat> um, so. Um, As you can see here, all four sides of the project, um, the facades and the courtyards are wrapped with lush landscape. Um, We'll go a little bit more um, frontage by frontage. So on the north facade, um, a mix of fixed and flexible seating activates um, this facade. The updated street frontage creates a layered landscape with a generous bike corridor, a planting buffer, and spill out space for lively residential entrance and to support the retail um, corridor. A mix of materials makes for a rich experience.
7: The pedestrian eye-level view seen here illustrates the gracious sidewalk and street trees that meet code as well as how the widened widened portions bring pedestrians along the commercial frontage towards the public open space per the design guidelines. The widening allows for retail activities to better engage the sidewalk and would provide places for amenities like bike racks, seat walls, and additional landscaping. Canopies overhead, commercial blade signs, and building mountain lighting create an enjoyable experience for pedestrians per the design guidelines. Historically inspired details like the additional mullions at the top of the storefront and the way the storefront angles in at the entries will add character to the street front. Unfortunately, like Tony mentioned, the addition of that public open space is working against the project for meeting the frontage requirements. The code limits residential frontage to only 20% of the total. It also says frontage includes facades that are adjacent to or parallel to the right of way. Our original understanding of the measurement is illustrated here in the diagram and would have met the requirements. So we were thinking you measured parallel to the frontage or parallel to the right of way, and this would be what you get. However, the city has clarified that the length measurement should be taken parallel to the facades, not the right of way, and that the portions of the facades that are kind of essentially behind the public open space still count as part of the right of way frontage. With that in mind, the residential frontage facing the open space works against us and would make the project non compliant at about 35% residential. And you can see that in this upper diagram here. However, measuring this today. Measuring this way contradicts the intent of the design guidelines and zoning code. If we were to fill in the public open space with commercial uses as shown in the lower diagram, the project would meet the frontage requirements and still meet the open space requirements, but provide less commercial space overall and less public open space. So while it would meet code, it would result in a less desirable configuration for pedestrians. Allowing for that 35% departure better meets the intent of DRB guidance and the design guidelines. And as Rachel explained earlier, that public open space creates a unique destination along 70th, engaging commercial uses, the residential lobby, the public and residents alike. As we move around to the eastern and southern through-block connection frontages, I want to review the existing conditions along both starting at the northeast corner. Um, the project produ- proposes retail at uh, grade here, but the grade quickly begins to slope uphill and the interior floor elevation and exterior grade will no longer meet. This is followed by a public open space where people traversing grade can stop to rest. The middle of the property line frontage on the east proposes residential uses where the interior floor level and the exterior grade are most divergent followed by another public open space. At the southeast corner, the development faces the existing driveway and parking lot of the adjacent property. The frontage here is not visible from any right-of-way. It does not have vehicular access, as the parking lot and driveway directly in view cannot be used by this development. Moving along the southern frontage, in the middle is a large open space separating the western half of the frontage, which proposes residential uses at grade. The western portion of uh, the facade faces the blank wall of the grocery outlet as well as grocery outlets loading and trash. Looking more closely at the eastern frontage, the project faces the existing driveway and parking of the neighboring property. The neighboring property is narrow here and is best suited for a prominent driveway access off 70th just like they currently have. The topography slopes dramatically into the northeast corner of the BCX zone. It is likely this development will front an inaccessible driveway and parking in perpetuity because of these conditions. If we look closely at grade along the eastern frontage, we can see how the slope would align with the northeast corner, but quickly rises and wouldn't meet an interior floor line again until reaching the southeast corner. The relationship to grade along most of the frontage further complicates interior exterior engagement, making commercial uses infeasible. So let's take a look at what the project is proposing along this frontage and all of the pedestrian benefits there.
8: So the pedestrian um, experience through this portion of this site really tries to take advantage of the building massing to blend the public and private plazas. Um, Starting at the corner, a series of step planters leads pedestrians up from the grade from Northeast 70th to a plaza where um, accent trees help to define a tiered seating area. This outdoor room expresses the character of the project, which is a mix of modern and traditional elements. As grade levels out, trees punctuate the through block, much like a streetscape, while planted areas help direct pedestrians to the best places to connect with the adjacent properties.
9: The proposed
7: public open spaces with seating and landscaping will create attractive places for pedestrians along the north-south through-block connection. The more northern open space, which is seen on the left here, would provide an ideal spot to rest while traversing the steepest portion of the grade. The more southern open space has a favorable relationship to residential amenity spaces The proposed amenity area is designed to look and feel like commercial space and meets the design requirements of that commercial space. It even includes an exterior space that flanks the public open space for additional activation and transparency. This is the neighboring frontage along the southern property line facing the east-west through-block connection. On the right, you see the blank wall and loading uh, for grocery outlet. This location does not have the visibility or ambience to be successful for commercial front frontage currently. The Eastern portion of the facade uh, of the frontage seen here on the left faces the existing parking and neighboring property. There are no pedestrian connections through the portion of the parking lot and the parking cannot be used by this development. The proposed project would however, create a, an enjoyable uh, pedestrian experience with engaging aspects along the frontage.
8: The southern um, frontage is proposed to be layered with trees, hardscape, and functional open spaces where building residents and public feel equally welcome. The extents of the fire lane on this facade are blurred by movable furniture, pavement scoring, and fixed seating.
7: The eye level view along the east-west through block connections shows a graciously wide pathway with large open space, lush landscaping, and plenty of places to sit. In the distance, you can see canopies, doors, and large glazing of the active amenity spaces in keeping with the intent of the design guidelines. Several doors in these areas would allow for residents to flow in and out of the building, activating the through block pathway and uh, patronizing surrounding businesses. I want to take a minute to more specifically address the Southeast corner and why we aren't proposing commercial uses there. First, people arriving via car would need to park at the far opposite end of the development. The parking that's visible from the Southeast corner is private and not available to this project. Before CDC2, the design team did look into trying to provide vehicular access back to the Southeast corner for parking and visibility, But curb cuts are not allowed in those areas outlined in light blue along the right of ways, kind of here and here, because of their adjacency to the existing curb cuts on the neighboring property. Commercial uses also need access to waste management. While the project did originally propose waste staging further south at 130th um, or on 130th, the design review board did not want it that close to the through block connection. And so we moved the proposed trash staging location further north based on design review board feedback. As a result, trash staging is also basically at the far opposite side of the property from that southeast corner. Lastly, as I mentioned before, this is an area that is not visible from any right of way and does not have vehicular access to it. So any commercial use there would rely solely on pulling patrons away from the existing shopping center. And that relationship of pulling patrons away from the existing shopping center and relying exclusively on pedestrian access is really visible in the diagram on the left. It would not create a viable or engaging condition for the BCX Zone as a whole and quite likely would end up with vacant storefronts. However, providing residential amenity at the southeast corner would result in the reverse for the BCX Zone. The new development will likely house over 700 people, By creating a destination for residents at the southeast corner and providing plenty of ingress and egress, the proposed use encourages connection between residents and the shopping center. The ebb and flow of patronage and pedestrians will activate the through-block connections and reinforce the type of lively atmosphere desired by the zoning code and design guidelines given the current conditions within the BCX zone. I think seeing the active residential spaces in more detail helps to illustrate the potential for activation. On the far left on the screen is a children's amenity with exterior play space and easy access between interior play space and through block pathway. I can easily imagine having kids and taking them there to play and then leaving, grabbing a cup of coffee in the site or playing in the large wide through block pathway there. In the center is the building's fitness center. Compare this to a commercial gym, which would be a qualifying commercial use. Both have exercise equipment fronting the glass. Both have large doors opening to the through-block connection. Both have the opportunity to spill out into the wide through-block for jogging, circuit training, or outdoor fitness. But one comes with a natural supply of patrons who can use the facility for free, while the other relies on attracting customers solely from a neighboring business's parking lot. And finally, at the far east is a co-working space. This type of amenity is increasingly popular as more and more people choose to work from home. This space would have uh, worktop counters facing the third block connection, doors and plenty of soft seating. It'd be a great place to work or even just hang out. At the north end of the space is even proposed um, an exterior area uh, so that it can engage with the the, uh, public open space just to the north of it. The entire area is designed to commercial standards with large glazing, canopies, lighting, and tall floor-to-floor heights. And really, it's designed that way for future flexibility. While we know the current conditions aren't great for uh, successful commercial space on this property, who's to say that won't change in the future? If the context changes to better support commercial viability at this internal property corner, The current design of the space allows for easy conversion to commercial should the opportunity arise. With the proposed design, this would be the view at the Southeast corner. And we think the look and feel of the space meets the intent of the commercial uses while providing more viable solution in the short term with flexibility to adapt to changing conditions in the future. So moving on from the through blocks, let's look at 130th.
9: So
8: this Western frontage blends the ground floor units with a swath of landscape that steps down from an elevated courtyard above. This side has a more residential feeling with on-street parking, a secondary residential entrance and connections to the regional trail system nearby.
7: Apartment home patios at grade and balconies above reinforce the residential nature of this residential street. The type of personal adornment that comes with these faces like potted plants and patio sets would add variety and character specifically seen in residential vernacular, while the abundant landscaping design reflects the character of the neighborhood as a whole. Light fixtures on the brick pilasters will add ambiance and increase safety for both pedestrians and residents alike.
8: Now we'll dive into more of the details and character of the project. So a neutral um, material palette creates a timeless but refined connection with the outdoors. Textures such as board form impart subtle cues to nature while paving patterns and seating create a comfortable human scale. The project takes cues from the lush forested landscape of the area. The amount of um, vegetated open space on this project is significant and allows the project to provide a wide range of tree species. Trees establish a rhythm along the frontages and provide a buffer between public and private spaces and provide um, seasonal interest. Much like the forest, plantings will be informal with drifts of various color and texture. The lighting proposed for the project um, reinforces this uh, feeling and creates a safe and welcoming um, environment, uh, but also is very respectful to uh, being respectful to the the surrounding um, neighbors and will really be directed uh, down to surfaces. The interior courtyard serve as an extension of the apartment homes and support community interaction. The angle steer views between units while fixed seating makes the best use of raised planters over the structure. The experience will be nuanced and expansive as the deep interior spaces connect with neighboring open space. The West Courtyard is our more active area with outdoor cooking stations and games. Bocce is proposed and covered areas will draw residents out to enjoy the spaces throughout the year. Just above this area um, is a raised terrace which connects with amenity rooms. It includes um, whimsical elements such as a grove of hammocks that you see in the corner. This terrace will have overhead lighting um, to help provide a welcoming character that can be seen from areas below. This is um, a view uh, from the side of the project and reflects the many design moves to create human scale at the perimeter for the neighborhood. The north roof will have territorial views for residential homes as well as for dog owners that will use um, the pet relief area provided here, and this brings us back to um, the north frontage. And we thank you for your consideration and time um, looking at this project.
6: Yes,
7: thank everyone. Thank you, everyone, and this concludes our presentation. I'm going to stop sharing, and we'll move on to the the next steps of your agenda.
0: Thank you very much, Maggie. Um, so now it's the time for the board uh, to make any questions to the applicant regarding this project board members uh, who would like to start. Amy? <laughs>
2: yes, I can start. Um Thank Just you. bear with me because uh, I tried to follow along. It's a lot of information. Um, I'd like to start out with just understanding how much retail or commercial is required for this project and how much are you uh, not providing? Sure,
7: that's a great question. Um, The way the code describes it, it doesn't describe it on a square footage basis. So there's no technical amount
2: of like What streets and through blocks are um, the... um, requires commercial or retail? So again, it doesn't
7: actually specify an amount of commercial or retail that's required. What it does is it uh, it limits the amount of residential. So the code doesn't say you have to have X amount of commercial. It actually says you can only have X amount of residential. And so on both 70th and on the through blocks, it limits that to 20%. So on 70th, as we talked about, we're looking for that um, uh, um, um, Departure—that's the word I'm looking for—to uh, go from 20 to 35 because of the large open space and the way the geometry is sort of working against us there. On the other two, we're looking for quite a bit larger increase for all the reasons we've talked about. Uh, we don't How have much? a specific—we uh, don't have a specific calculation for that, but we are only providing a small amount of commercial frontage on the north-south through block and it's right there at the corner at the northeast corner. And we are not currently proposing any commercial frontage on the southern through block, the east-west through block along the
2: southern property line. Okay. Um okay. Um can you uh take us through like how you're uh treating your roof or uh in terms of um I know staff has asks uh, the DRB to determine whether your treatment of your roof line, uh, and I can't remember the exact word Tony used, but uh, we're supposed to determine whether you comply with this design guideline. Sure, Um, let me see if
7: I can pull that back up. Um, Let's share screen again, because it might be easier to
0: and Amy, I think that you're referring to the horizontal modulation, right? I,
2: I can't remember the term, Love Tony, the maybe story. you can help us. Like um, we, there's some design guideline that has to do mm-hmm. with the, the roof line, something to do with the roof line.
4: Yeah, it's basically the the utilization of colors and, and that kind of thing to kind of minimize the, the impact of upper stories. I think that was what maybe. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah.
7: Oh, I see. So um, not necessarily about the roof line. There, there was uh, feedback at CDC2 about the roof line. And I was gonna kind of point out in the area in particular that we had discussed back at CDC2 was this area here. And we have changed the roof line quite a bit. So we have four different heights through here now, whereas before we didn't. Um, we have different cornice conditions, larger, heavier ones, thinner ones, and um, really kind of more sleek, modern ones to create that variety and break down um, you know, just the, the continuity and lineal nature of those roof lines. But I think what Tony was actually referring to is more about how are upper levels treated to help them feel uh, recessed or recessed isn't the right word, but um, help, help them feel like they're disappearing from your view a little mm-hmm. bit.
9: Mm-hmm. And so
7: around the building, what we've done is we either have this dark continuous base, or we have the model brick base, or both. Um, and all of that is to help pull the viewer's eye down to these lower floors of the building, so that you know when you when you go by the building, what you're really taking in and seeing is the pu- the portion that has the deep character, the um, the nice uh, textured materials, the bolder colors, things like that. And we've really kept these upper facades simpler so that your eye isn't pulled up to those areas. So you're not focusing on the height of any portion. Of course, the large step backs help with that as well. Um, and we are using really neutral colors up top. So uh, the whitest colors or this kind of muted gray up top to help with that. I think the so this other, is
2: the no- Northeast 70th, right?
7: Yes. Yeah. Yes. can you take us around
2: the building (laughs) sure sure so that was 70th
7: this is the eastern facade Um, and the grade slopes so dramatically at this far end down here if you can see my cursor so we've actually pulled down the whole look of the building down a floor at that farthest portion so this is uh, a little bit darker of a facade there so that this feels like it's the same height and scale as these two pieces here because of the way the grade slopes. We didn't want this piece to feel um, even taller. So we've, we've dealt with this corner specifically in that way. And then in these portions, again, you've got the large uh, dark base down here through the middle and then the brick highlighted piece here at the corner to really help bring this down to pedestrian scale. In this case, this is actually only two stories tall instead of the full three that you see on 70th. We migrate around the building. Again, here's that two-story piece wrapping. We've got the dark base coming through here. Uh, The design guidelines do talk about having vertical elements, especially at corners. And when I first read this design guideline, my initial thought was corners as in like, Street intersection corners, but the guideline is actually really clear. They mean any massing kind of corner. So we've we've taken that into uh, taken that to heart everywhere where we have open spaces and tried to do some vertical um, gestures as part of highlighting where the massing really changes dramatically for open spaces. So you can see that here where we're flanking um, this big open space with these Ford and batten um, wood look vertical elements.
2: Isn't that the main entrance to the residential? No, this is um, just a large
7: courtyard. Uh, okay. Um, let's see, do I have a better view? This is the shopping center to the south. This is the edge of grocery outlet right here. This is the parking in front. This is all the Southern through block connection along here. Um, and in our CDC meeting, we had a really great view of driving through the drive aisle and how this open space aligns with the drive aisle. So when you're, when you're maneuvering through this parking lot, you're really seeing this sort of like a building, and this is a whole kind of second building off to the side. Um, you've got a really nice kind of visual destination actually coming along that, that uh, drive aisle and looking at this new development. And if I continue on around, so at the southwest corner, again, we have the three story brick modulated Um, base. This is where we have that special amenity space up top. This this frontage, this is the eastern frontage, and it was so hard to get a great view of the whole frontage because the reality is, is there are these giant evergreens across the street. So Mm -hmm. really pulling the camera back far enough to see it all at once was almost impossible. Um, I mean, unless I just hide all the trees, but that's not very realistic since the trees are there. Uh, so we've we've broken it into kind of two views that really represent what a pedestrian actually sees. So if you're at the southeast corner, you're going to see this, where you see that three-story brick piece come, and then the little pop-up for the residential amenity. If you're down closer to the Pagliacci, the Pagliacci is just off view here at the northwest corner, um, and you're coming up the street of 130th, you're going to see the garage entry which, again, is highlighted with some brick accents around it, helping pull the scale down for pedestrians right in this area. Um, And then the sidewalk continues. We have a a large break here that goes back to another residential courtyard, and then you start to pick up the expression that you see here. And if we go back to the northwest corner, the other sort of portion around from Pagliacci, you see how that brick um, three-story massing on 70th wraps and faces the Pagliacci as well. Does that help answer your question in terms yeah, of breaking yeah. down
2: mapping? Yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, it's sure. a lot to follow, so, but this is great. Um, uh, and uh, can you tell us about your weather protection? Where are you lo- Where are you putting them? Sure. And um, how much, how much weather protection are you providing on the through block connections and on the major, on on Northeast 70th and, um, yeah, so through block connection is on the east and the south, correct? Yes, east and okay. the south. And and on northeast 70th. So let's see, where's the best
7: view to, to see that? Um. This actually might help, yeah. So this is the, the view of 70th. Everything highlighted in blue along here is where we have overhead weather connection on uh, protection on 70th we have it basically along all of 70th now the the building does angle back to provide that extra wide sidewalk that's really desired by the design guidelines for um, they they break down the sidewalk into different zones in terms of where retail goes where people walk all sorts of things and so but there is overhead weather protection along all of that frontage and you can see it's this diagram is focused on the northeast 70th frontage itself, but those canopies do actually turn back into that um, open space as well. That's in between. And how deep Um, are those? Oh, I believe they are
2: four and a half feet. And then at... And and why uh, is it like an mm -hmm. odd odd number? Like why four and a half? Is it because... um, of where your property line is?
7: No, it was it was what seemed to make sense to be sure we were providing adequate coverage over top of pedestrians. Um, you know, I, I think frequently people do four-foot canopies and, you know, we added a little bit more just to make it a little more gracious, a little more space there. I will also say that the, the retail storefronts here are set in a little bit. So you have even more overhead weather protection right at the entries because of the way the, the storefront jogs in at all of the entries for the retail. And then at the southeast corner is the other place where we've picked up quite a bit of overhead weather protection. So you have it coming around here and and wrapping basically that whole southeast corner here. We haven't put it along um, the other portions of the through block at the, the west end where the residential is. you can see if I zoom in, it's in here. This is along 70th. it's kind of all through all of this right here. And then at the Southeast corner, it's also kind of all along all of this, as well as wrapping into the open space right over here too.
2: Can you show that on a plan or, or do you have any diagram that shows like the similar. I believe... Like with, with all those trees, I can't there tell we go. where this uh... It's so hard, isn't it? Yeah.
7: Um, you can see it here. Let's see if I can mark on the screen that might actually help too. It's here. It's hard to see with the line work, but it's here, here, here um coming along actually i believe this one goes all the way like that you can see it here 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 so that's the 70th portion and then if i move to the southeast
2: corner so what happens to the corner to the northeast
7: corner Uh, To the northeast corner It's funny, we used to have one here. We've pulled it back because there's landscaping right there. This is where grade really starts to slope even on this portion, a little bit right around the building. Um, And so we've got a little bit of a buffer of landscaping here and we didn't put a canopy over the landscaping because it's counterproductive in terms of trying to keep plants well hydrated. Um, You know, you you don't actually want the canopy over top of the, the planting there. And we're using that planting to help Uh, transition the grade where the grade is steepest. And then at the southeast corner, it's here. It's hard to see here, but it's basically across all of this. And then here as well.
4: And here. I did want to add that this is something that um, the zoning code would would require so we'll we'll do a code compliance check on this and just make sure that you know it's meeting every the the overhead weather protection for all the all the areas so
2: okay um i'd like to now go to the open spaces so let's start with the level p1 plaza on northeast 70th um Mm -hmm. are there Are there grade changes where you have steps, terraces, um, planters that, um, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, when I was looking at that, it seems like you have two types of seating. One is for maybe like a restaurant and then, and then the, the, the more informal seating is for just people hanging around. Is that kind of the idea there?
7: um at this point we don't know who this retailer or will be at the corner but we are thinking of this space as having more gathering type seating so maybe if this is a restaurant they start to use some of that or maybe um, it's just open to the public you know all the time and not specific to this commercial use Um, but we did try to provide a variety of seating something adjacent to the the retailer that would be more gathering oriented versus something a little more um, intimate, closer to the residential entry. Your question about grade change is a good one. Um, So we do have grade change and it's based on what's happening on 70th. 70th is at its lowest kind of right here and it's sloping up as we move north. And so as a result of that, you can see there's two stairs here, right here, but then we're equal with grade here So no ramping, no um, stairs in this area. We have two steps here, um, but we're equal with grade here. So we've we've tried to provide really easy access through all of this, but because it does slope, we do have a couple of spots of grade change and some steps. Um, What's nice about that is, we're creating a seat wall adjacent to that grade change all along here and so we've got those kind of uh, gathering style tables also against a seat wall here and it gives you a couple of different kind of zones and and ways of activating this space through here
2: okay uh, let's go to the next um, on um, the east screw block
9: mm-hmm
7: so this is the first open space on the east through block. This is the one closer to the north. Um, this is where the grade is steepest across the site and we're keeping this, um, we need to keep this grade sloped in this way. We've tried to make it as best we can, but because it's against, it, it's next to this adjacent property and you don't want to end up with like sunken areas and retaining walls and strange conditions like that, it is pretty steep through here. We have stepped planners along here that help to transition that grade. And then when we get up to this open space, it's just a nice little pocket. Um, These trees through here are, uh, maybe Rachel can speak to exactly what they are, but I remember them to be pretty ornamental in nature where they change colors and flower and do some of those things. So you're creating this really nice respite along the steepest uh, portion for people to stop. We do have a planter kind of right in this area with another tree and that's Mainly because the grade is sloping so dramatically, um, to be able to have nice, easy access here, you can't have that across the whole thing without sloping everything. You would just end up with a ton of stairs through here. And it seemed nicer to have some landscaping there instead of just more stairs at that edge.
2: So, again, then if we move um, to the next, the, from, uh-huh. the, from the sidewalk to that seating area, it's flush. Right. There's no yeah. yeah.
7: Okay. Yeah. This is all flushed through here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Kind of like and that. how how deep how deep is that planter? It looks like um behind the planter are residential units.
7: Yes. Um so when you say deep, do you mean kind of in yes. this direction or do yes. you mean oh in that direction? Okay. Um it's over ten feet right there and you can tell this is kind of a, a 10 foot dimension here i uh, want to say it's around 13 or so um, so pretty lush through here um this one i believe is three and a half or maybe even four at that point point.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and the under and the uh, main paved area is about another, what, maybe 13 to 15 feet? I Yeah, I'd say it's probably closer to 12, but yes, oh, about 12. 12 feet through
7: here. Okay. So nice, nice and gracious. Um, we didn't want to create any situations where anybody ever got back in here and then felt like it was too narrow or felt trapped in some way. You know, you didn't want to create something that felt like a dead end. Um, so it still feels pretty open through here, even with the tree and this landscape buffer.
2: And those uh, terraces or balconies for the residential, are they elevated or are they on the same level as the uh, the planter green? You know, like
7: they are actually they are actually in this courtyard. They're lower, uh-huh. so because of the way the grade slopes, these guys are all a little bit lower than um, the landscaping here. And I wanna say they're about three feet lower, if I recall. So the floor level here is about three feet lower than the landscaping dirt level, if you will, soil level here. Um, and then this is uh, maybe about two feet different-ish, if I recall. Um, I don't have all of these exact you know, dimensions memorized. <laughs> Since Mm -hmm. it does change pretty dramatically along here, but I do know that Mm -hmm. all of this residential is a little actually lower than the landscaping in this courtyard or in this uh, open space.
8: I think that next slide, Maggie, shows it it pretty well.
7: Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, you can see the relationship there. So
8: our intent was really to just help provide some buffer for people walking along, being able to not necessarily see into the units um, or vice versa.
2: And the units, are they, looks like they have some sort of a railing or fence. They, well, yeah, they like have a privacy, a privacy or... mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They have some sort of a privacy, okay.
7: Yeah. And of course All these right. images here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course these images we're showing you kind of some idea of trees, but we're not showing all of the, the shrub and ground cover and all of that, that of course is in here as well.
2: Are, are they planted over the garage?
7: They are, the garage, um, the lower floor of the garage is below this by quite oh. a bit actually. So these planters actually are pretty deep hence the the big
2: trees or the oh, big-ish, good. I will say. Okay, yeah. 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 yeah, all right. Okay, and then let's keep moving. So the, the
7: northern one has really similar ideas. You've got this um, landscape buffer between the residential units and the patio here. Um, this one is actually a little bit of the reverse, where these patios are a little higher than this area here. And it's because we've moved up the grade, so we're up actually a whole floor level. These units are a floor higher than the um, courtyard to the north. Uh, this is that... Um, work-from-home remote work kind of amenity space in the project, and it has a patio that opens up here and looks at this public open space as well. There's a counter here. The railing here intentionally is um, a little more limited. It's like a frosted glass so that you feel a lot of permeability between this space and that space without any sort of Issues with security between the residential portion of the building and public public spaces. Um, so there's kind of enough deterrent there not to have have issues with people breaking into the building, but um, a lot of transparency and a lot of sort of cross pollinating in terms of activation, in terms of activity here and activity here. Um, we feel like this one the grade is not quite as steep, but um, and, and this is closer to all the bustle of what's going on around here. And so we picture there'll be more activity going on here just because it is a little closer to the action in general at the mm-hmm. Southeast corner.
2: So so uh, is there gonna be a blank oh, wall there since um, the uh, residential units are one floor above the plaza?
7: No, it's only kind of this, this level of change here. So this is the wall that, in theory, you'd be looking at oh, there. Oh, so, so landscaping maybe about a little four bit to five feet? Yeah, yeah. It's not even five. It's somewhere between three and four, and it's okay. basically enough to have a backrest behind the seat there. Yeah. yeah, and we've pulled it down lower here. Part of the reason it's a little higher here is so we get more soil depth for larger trees in this area, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's less than three feet in this area through here.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting and doing you know, the, the work from home, people if they mm-hmm. if they want to come out and hang out in the plaza, how do they do that? Like, do they go back into they the would, building and walk? Yes,
7: they'd come in and they'd come out this door here to come oh. around to this area. Okay. There's no there's no stairs um, in this area at the moment.
2: Is that for security reason why there's no door or anything to connect down to the plaza?
7: yes that's exactly
2: exactly uh the reason
7: um, trying to you know when you have a residential building wanting to be sure that the people coming and going um, are part of the building and, and not necessarily tag alongs and so having um, specific places where you want those interactions to occur um, is, is usually the safest route to go also this courtyard here is pretty close to these residential patios here that are people's private kind of homes And so we want to, we don't want to have the public feel like they're right
2: up against these patios if we can. Um, So, um, so, so, yeah, um, yeah, so that patio, um, Mm -hmm. how much higher is that from the planter?
7: Let's see, we can see it best in that rendering here.
2: So this patio is about... Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not not that. I'm talking about the residential patios. That's further oh, back behind the planter. Back.
7: Yes. The um the residential patio is at the same level as this patio, so it's higher than this area down here, but it's just slightly lower than that
6: landscaping. Ah, okay. Again, we
7: raise that landscaping so we we have more soil depth to yes. work with, and yes. these patios are. Higher than the public plaza, so to speak, but it's it's not a significant, you know. Um, they're about two and a half feet, I believe. mm mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right. Thank you. Um. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, there's one more in the south, right? Another yeah. open Let's space. Let's look at the south one.
6: <laughs> sure.
7: We've got lots of them. Um. <laughs> So on the south, we have this large area here, and the intention with the the southern one was to be really flexible in terms of how it's used, Uh, so it's surrounded by seat walls and intended to have really flexible table and chairs, umbrella seating, that kind of thing. This is the sunniest plaza as well because this does face south. Um, There is a um, children's play space that's connected to an interior children's amenity right next to it, so very active and bustling it looks a little funny here. This is the canopy you're seeing above, which is why you're not seeing it rendered, but there's a gate right here so that, you know, if you are someone that has kids and you want to play here or come out here and ride your tricycle or bike up and down the three block pathway, there's really easy kind of connection through that. Um, Mm -hmm. If we look back in here, this gives you a good idea of the planting these are raised planters right here this is the flexible seating this is the gate to get back to that children's amenity there's a door here Um, and this is the really wide gracious southern through block pathway Um, lots of space for lingering seat walls along the edge of course the door here there's also doors back in here for fitness and for the um, the work from home amenity space as well
2: so those seating with umbrellas there for I mean, the public can can hang yeah. out there? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. All that's for the public. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, trying to think what was the
5: last thing I wanted to add.
2: Let me just check my own. So, are you providing any special paving materials? Um,
7: in terms of special paving, we do have some specialized paving patterns in this wider portion of the through block to kind of break up the width. Um, Rachel, do you want to talk any more about paving patterns or how paving is being addressed throughout?
8: Yeah, we, um, you know, we wanted it to feel connected with the sidewalk so that it, it definitely felt public. Um, and, and the Fire lane definitely was something we wanted to kind of break down in scale. So that's why we wanted to feel like there was a sidewalk there along with kind of a ge- more generous area. Um, on the where, north where, side, I'm
2: sorry, where's the fire lane? So part of
8: why there's, you know, as much concrete on the south end is because there that does serve the function of a fire lane. But, um, and, and the fire truck can turn around in that open space. And so um, we've tried to make that feel as human scaled. It's not gonna happen very often. And the fire marshal's okay with uh, movable furnishings in that zone. Um, and so, uh, so the sidewalk kind of the scored pattern on that Southern edge um, just kind of helps transition from, that open space to the connections that are more pedestrian-oriented, um, connecting to the other retail property. I,
2: I'm not. I'm not following. Where Where is that special sidewalk treatment? Um, Maggie, can you circle it? Yeah. Sure.
7: I I think what Rachel is talking about is this zone mm-hmm. here. We've got a different cadence oh. of. Score lines and whatnot, um, as well as what's going on up in here, just yeah, have yeah, a little okay. bit different of a treatment.
2: Yeah, just to help and kind that, of break and up
7: then, all this large concrete And then what's otherwise.
2: that white? That's the fire lane, basically. All, all of this yeah. is concrete.
7: Um, it's just with different um, scales of paving patterns and things so, like that,
8: yeah, so that. So it's what, not what all is... just
2: the. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. So so. Where is the fire lane? So
7: it's... the fire lane, there's a, a diagram um, in the booklet. I, I don't know if you had a, a chance to kind of review it all, but um, yeah, so that's, the fire lane yeah, we that's,
2: we're, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I was wondering, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so why not just make all of that the same special paving?
7: We, we certainly could.
2: It was such a wide area that,
7: um, the variety seems more interesting than having it all the same i think what's not shown in here very very clearly is that it's not like this it's not like this portion is plain without any joints or score marks it's just that this portion has a finer grain of them um i think it actually shows in the rendering let me see okay. if we can see it nope we can't um
2: does it show so and that's also a through block connection, right? Correct. Yes. Right. So 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 the fire lane is um is doubling as a very wide sidewalk.
6: Right.
7: Yes. Or is there yes. a
2: separate sidewalk?
7: No, the fire lane is doubling as the very wide sidewalk. So in okay. this case we we talked with the fire marshal or assistant fire marshal, I should say. Um, about this condition. And he says it's actually pretty common around Kirkland. Most of the time you don't know it because the reality is the only time a fire truck drives along this is if there are flames leaping out of the side of the building. Um, You know, so if somebody called, if the the fire alarm went off in general somewhere in the building, they're not gonna drive down this. They're gonna go to the front entry of the building and find out what's going on. Um, If somebody calls emergency services because somebody's having a heart attack, they're not going to drive down this. They're going to go to the front of the building. So really the only time a fire truck comes down this is if there are flames leaping out of the side of the building. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And because of that, he was kind of like, we, we do this frequently in Kirkland. And a lot of times people don't even know it. Um, the only rules are you can't have, like, we can't put permanent planters in the middle of this because it needs to be wide enough for a fire truck to come down just mm-hmm. in case of emergency. But the yes. movable tables and chairs, they're fine with. Um, and the seat walls along the edge and the landscaping along the
2: edge, they're they're fine with all of that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, blank walls, Where are your blank walls?
1: We
7: actually don't technically have any blank wall segments. Um, I think Tony had that in his report, but we' we're, were compliant everywhere with blank walls.
2: So um, there I saw a wall next to the Pagliacci. Isn't that a blank wall, or are you, uh, you have some sort of a treatment for that?
7: Next to the Pagliacci, I believe um, it is not, let's see if we can find that.
2: Good plan for that. You're talking about back in here? Um, on where you're, um, you're showing it in one of your, um, perspective drawings. And I think it's that Western wall of your retail. Oh, Western wall of
7: the retail facing Pagliacci. I know what you're talking about. Let me go to there. Not that one, this one. Um, Yeah. So the way gray changes through here, I don't believe um, this actually is subject to blank wall requirements because it's uh, on an it's not part of a public facade there's there's the no The code Tony actually can says
2: yeah the code actually says visible from the street something like that. Ah, it's not like um, it's, well, we do? it's not abutting the sidewalk.
7: Gotcha. Okay, well um, perhaps we do need to consider this a blank wall and address it in some way that wasn't on our radar in terms of um, being non-compliance. Um, I know when Tony did his cursory review, he didn't mention it either. Um, but we can talk with him more about it. We're happy to to do some sort of treatment in here to um, mitigate the look of a blank wall. We at one point did look at some higher-level windows for retail because there's a retail space behind here. Um, but mm-hmm. with the way the grade transitioned and the parking lot for Pogliacci, it it seemed um, it didn't seem very beneficial to the interior retailer. We ended up taking them out. We do, of course, have the brick, nice material wrapping and coming all the way around. But we can certainly look at a way to to treat that. Um, and we have I see what you're we saying. Have space for planting view. in front of it. We, yeah, we can we do we
8: can put larger plants in front of that wall as well.
2: Okay, um, uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Thanks, um. <laughs> being patient with all my questions. Sure, thank you for asking.
0: Thank you very much, Amy. Um, So Brian, would you like to be next?
1: Sure. So could you walk us through your lighting plans? I know you showed some lighting fixtures and luminaires. Can you walk us through where each of them are located? Sure. Let's go to the
7: lighting. And Rachel, feel free to chime in if you want to answer this one. And if not, I can talk about lighting. Well, let me find it. Oh, I just saw it. There it is. Um, In terms of lighting, we have these are the main variety of of lights that are um, represented on the exterior of the building, exterior of the project. Uh, we have pole lights along street or along public frontages, I'll say. Um, we have bollard lights along the landscaped portion here of the through block, the, the east-west through block along the southern. Um, and we have those in places in our courtyards as well um, for lighting. We have exterior down lights underneath all of the canopies to help light at night. Um, we have these exterior wall sconces along mainly along brick pilasters all around the, the building. So, as you saw, we have brick pilasters, um, you know, basically all along 70th, all along the southeast corner, and then all along uh, this half of the southern frontage, as well as all of this portion of the western frontage. And so, all of the pilasters are highlighted with a wall sconce. Um, and then at um, individual residential patios, we've got an exterior wall sconce that would be controlled by the residents itself. So when they want it on, they turn it on, when they want it off, they turn it off. And that's true both inside the courtyards as well as um, the more public facades along here. The public facades, of course, also have those big wall sconces at the pilasters themselves, but um, to be sensitive to the people living in the units, they're in control of the wall sconce that's at their patio. And then we have some fun festoon kind of lights that happen up at the L4 amenity roof deck here, as well as in the um, open, the public open space on 70th um, along the, the commercial frontage in this outdoor area here. We've got some more festive lighting there as well. Rachel, you want to add anything? Um, Just
8: that, you know, we anticipate everything being full cutoff fixtures so that there's um, no light uh, kind of shining upwards. So everything would be really focused down um, to avoid shining into neighbors or providing glare through windows, anything like that.
7: Yeah, I think that's a a good thing to remind people of. This is a building that's required to be a high performance building from an energy standpoint. And Um, environmental standpoint. And certainly part of that will require us to have cutoff fixtures. Nothing will be allowed um, to to shine upward because of light trespass.
1: Any other questions? Um, One of the things you talked about was change in materials at corners and uh, to emphasize those corners, but I didn't see that along 70th where you have the main entry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Was there a reason 70th, why you didn't do it at that location? Uh, mainly
7: because there's really large stepbacks required per the zoning code there. And so we can't very easily make much of the facade on 70th coplanar most of the facade on 70th needs to have a large step back in it to meet to meet code Um, i'm looking for that frontage so i can show it where is it
6: there there we go
7: Um, so instead of that what we've done instead and this was a move that we had started to hint at at the CDC meeting and at the time the board really liked it. And so we picked up on it and emphasized it. We, we built upon that. Um, but so as I mentioned, there's a big step back along here and all along here. And so, um, you know, we couldn't very easily make a coplanar thing that went from grade all the way up to roof line in these areas. So instead what, we done, what we've done is we have these areas here and it wraps around the corner into the open space. And then also here that pop up uh, a little more subtly, but they have a a larger cornice here and a taller parapet height there. And even the way the brick comes through is a little differently. So we've got brick along these areas, but not in here. And that's that's the move we're making in these areas to help um, highlight the corners of the massing instead of the full building height gesture.
1: Could you go to the um, main plan view, the floor plan, which shows this courtyard in a plan view
10: and the retail Mm -hmm.
1: space? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, this one's good enough. Um, So one of the questions for the board was to look at um, the frontage, right? And my question was, was there any thought given to having maybe the, where you're right now showing that south planter um, at the end of the courtyard, south end of the courtyard behind Mm -hmm. that to be retail so that the retail would be more L-shaped? So you actually, go
7: ahead. Yeah, yeah, we did actually look into that at one point. it comes down to what is the optimal size of a retail space and what does the retailer need. Um, so with that, I'm, uh, let me go to one of these because I think these do a better job of, of talking about it. Um, retailers, especially retailers in this portion of Kirkland, are going to want really high visibility. So if we make this space back here retail, it's not going to be its own space. It needs to be connected to something um, that has better visibility, So really connect it out to some frontage out here to really be successful. And what that would mean is the L-shaped retailer would end up being something like this. And when we've discussed um, with retail consultants and retail brokers in the area, this is starting to get I shouldn't say starting. This is over the size limit of what most retailers are looking for for this zone. So while we could make it, it actually makes a space that's less desirable because a retailer is going to have to pay and rent more space than what they actually want to use. Um, If we try to divide it up differently, you know, if you do something like this, that you end up with a smaller space the problem is of course that this retailer is so far back from the northeast 70th view um, that it's a hard space to lease it's not a desirable space for the retailers because they don't have that strong street presence and strong signage out near the actual right-of-way
1: the reason i was saying that is because not knowing what this retail number two is going to be this Mm -hmm. Uh, lower courtyard could end up being a dead space, you know. If it is not a restaurant which has an overflow space, there's no reason for anybody to go in there. And it could end up being a dead space, which really defeats the purpose of being an active space. And so to allow people or create a reason for someone to come back behind in that um, back courtyard um, would be something to consider.
7: You know, I, this was something we talked a lot about at the um, first CDC meeting. So our initial design for this project didn't have a large open space on 70th. Um, and it was something that the board really pushed for at the at the time that they wanted something um, large and on 70th. Um, and something that really could divide the frontage in a strong, meaningful way, that they didn't want it to feel like a continuous um, oh, building yeah, across 70th. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. I get that. And I don't so, think that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you're creating a space, but to really activate it, you need to create an activity for the reason for people to go there. Um, and right and, and now, I, I see that could end up being a dead space if, you know, because at l- the courtyard that's a higher level, the lobby lounge, I can see people coming in and out, the residences who use it, right? So people there could be using it, but this lower area, unless there's a reason for it, it could end up being a dead space. And then how do you how do you activate that area? So that was one thought there.
7: Well, I, I do think the inclusion of those gathering-style tables um, make it more of an amenity to the public beyond just how it might be connected to a retailer. Of course, having that space there, if there is a retailer, even if it's um, even if it's not a restaurant or a coffee shop or anything like that, having the ability to potentially spill out some of their retail activity in nice weather um, could certainly be part of activating it. I. I I do think that if we were to put retail back here, having dead retail at the long end of something isn't necessarily going to help activate the space either. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily a solution either. Uh, I, I do think it'll be well used, um, and that is why we have the landscaping. Landscaping is a part of the public open space. When we look at the definition of public open space and and what's included in that, landscaping is part of it. It's not just the hardscape. And that is, of course, why we've put the lush landscaping back here um, to help provide a nice backdrop for the activities here. Um, If you're familiar with, oh, what is the name of that park in New York? There's um, a pocket park in New York that has a great landscape kind of. There you go. Haley Park. Haley Park. You know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. Haley
1: yes, Park. I do know Daily Park, but you're talking yeah. about a very active street life. This is not there yet, right? So that that's the reason why I'm, that was the reason why. If this was in very much in downtown, then yeah, you know, right now um, someone has to have a reason to come back there, so...
8: Yeah, I think the also having the the amount of glazing from the lobby and the lounge that looks out on that space, I think made us feel like there would be regular eyes on the space. Um, and, and so there is, there's a lot of visual transparency between those spaces inside and out.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with the lobby lounge. You know, I don't know if that's like a fireplace or something that goes in there, but I could see people being in that lounge. Um, I just feel that that lower courtyard. You know, uh, I don't know how how deep is that. Is it like twenty five feet or thirty feet or so? Um, yeah, yeah.
7: And uh, we do have a a door to the retailer here, as well. So there is intention to be able to have some activity going back and forth in that way. I hear what you're saying. Um, I think, you know, I I think it was the direction and the response to the design guidance we received previously from the design guideline or from the design review board.
1: Um, And the last uh, comment really. So Carlos, the other, uh, are we, can I provide more comments on the colors or are we gonna go through all the members?
0: This is the QA um, portion, so okay. it's only questions to the applicant.
1: Okay. I'm good then.
0: Other questions? Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you, so yeah. um, uh Shoshana, would you like to be next?
5: Yes, I think we covered pretty much everything. I have two quick questions. First of all, I was wondering um, about your design cues. Where did you get them from? I saw them, they look pretty nice, but how did you get them from, how do you see them relate to the adjacent buildings and structures and how do you see them comply with the zoning? So that was my first question. And second, I'll ask them in a row uh, is more, I think about related to sort of related to the landscaping. I was wondering if in such a mass building, you have incorporated some kind of a community connection with um, let's say local artist or local feature that could uh, really connect this mass to the city. Like, I guess that my question would be, where is this beautiful project connect to Kirkland? What makes it Kirkland? So uh, these are my two questions. When you
7: say um, uh, reference images or design cute images, are you talking about these images in particular? Well, I'm
5: talking about your material board. And I'm also thinking about the materials and colors that Tony has mentioned in the beginning with uh, the colors and the tones that we're using. I'm just wondering how it all wraps. Like, how do we see those guidelines implemented in the project? If you can walk me through that, that would be lovely. Thank you. Sure.
7: Um, So in terms of exterior materials and the motifs that you see on the exterior of the building, so much of this was driven by looking at the surrounding neighborhood. so um, as you're probably aware, the vast majority of the bridal trails neighborhood is single family residential and so taking cues from single family residential and how those trends are moving right now and using those to influence. Um, the style and look of this building was was really where the material palette and the color palette came from, um, so we looked at a lot of examples of buildings and houses from the neighborhood um, as well as thinking about um, the the style in general of the neighborhood. Uh, There's a really grounded feeling in the sense that this neighborhood has been there for a very long time. It's reflected in the vegetation all over the neighborhood, as well as at the at the state park. So, you know, you have trees that are just absolutely magnificent that are 60, 70 feet tall, um, old, truly old growth, like an old growth forest in the heart of the neighborhood and people's yards along the streetscape all through the neighborhood. Um, you've got landscaping that's just overflowing and abundant both in the state park, but also in the yards around um, around the neighborhood. And so With the material palette, we wanted to pull in um, materials that had a feeling of a similar sort of longevity and um, established nature like that of the rest of the neighborhood. And so that's where you get that modeled brick, um, something that has a little bit of an old world feel to it or a little bit of history to it, something with a lot of texture and a lot of depth. Um, instead of something that's overly sleek or overly modern, looking for something that feels textured and weather-worn. Um, similarly, the board and batten material, um, it's a wood-look product. It's a really great wood-look product, actually, the one that we're, we're looking at. Um, and it because it's board and batten, it's not just kind of a plank or not just um, a panel product, but with that actual, those batten it picks up on a lot of the vernacular of, of the um, neighborhood, which of course, again, a single family, and, and this is a, a typology and a language that you see there. Even in places where we do have like a cementitious panel, um, especially at the base of the building, we've used a cadence and a modulation that looks more like what you would expect to see from a stone base or something like that. So again, trying to build in, some modules and textures and depth that are reminiscent of more historic building materials and more established or weathered or worn conditions. Um, I'll let Rachel talk at length about the landscaping, but I know the landscaping as well was really, the inspiration was pulled from what's existing in the neighborhood. This neighborhood has landscaping like few other places um, for being as close to downtown Kirkland and downtown Bellevue even as it is the landscaping is absolutely phenomenal and and bridal trails. It's, it's something to behold. (laughs) And I, and maybe everybody there's used to it. you're like, I don't know, it's just trees, but um, no, they're, they're really quite special. Um, And so the trees for the project and the robustness of the landscaping and the variety and all of that was really important to the landscaping, but Rachel, I'm stealing your thunder. So you answer about the
10: landscaping.
8: (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, it's, It's trying to kind of have that residential character um, in that uh, there is variation. Um, There's a mix of conifers and deciduous. Um, There's a mix of colors and textures and um, just trying to kind of uh, convey that kind of higher quality that a residential neighborhood um, has.
5: Yes, and I am at this point not talking about the plants or the botanicals or the flora and the fauna per se. I'm talking more about the character of the added either playground or benches or art or fountains or fireplace or whatever it is that connects you to the community. I mean, we all have huge respect to our greenery. It's gorgeous, the landscape is gorgeous. I have no argument there. What I am wondering about seriously is if I walk by this structure, what makes me think here you are in Kirkland and not in Redmond, in Bellevue, in Seattle, right? In Newcastle, in Woodinville, what makes it Kirkland? And that's what I would like to see there. So a hint or a direction I was going to, so incorporating a local artist, right? That's where you say, hey, this is someone from Kirkland that kind of encapsulates the spirit of Kirkland or that kind of, you know, see, demonstrates how we see uh, Kirkland. This is how we see bridal trails. For example, the state park, it has the the three different trails, right? It has the Raven, the, I don't remember their names right now, uh, but like, right? This is something that connects this building to bridal trails to Kirkland. For example, just for as an example, right? So, is those details, is those nuances that say, hey, you know, we're here. This is our location. And this location is not just any location. This is Kirkland Bridal Trails. And that's what I'm trying to, I think, aim for. And, um, just in terms of the colors and Tony, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, weren't we supposed to have some color in there or is it okay with the neutrals? I'm fine. I just want to know that we are following the zoning
4: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guide. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility as far as colors are concerned. It just kind of gives kind of some discussion points about colors to look at, um, you know, so um, that's really, really kind of up to the board and, and the applicant to discuss.
5: that's broad. Okay. Okay, so I guess I'm done with my questions. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Shoshana. Uh, Randall, like to be next.
5: Okay. Uh,
11: <clears throat> thank you all. There's been a lot of good questions. And gone around the building very really, very well. So uh, the the only question that I really have is over along 130th. If if we take a look at that, there's no really clear picture of the elevation. You have all the trees in mm-hmm. front of it, and how realistic that is, I don't know, and that type of thing. But on this elevation, uh, I take it that the lower portion, the units on the lower side, other than kind of the columns that go up, those recess back in underneath. And then you have the two levels above with the balconies coming out. And if you go to, it's page 36, of attachment to, it's a building cross-section. Hmm. And it's the west to east building cross-section. who's in the back. Of, that'd be the next page, I think, here. Yeah, right here. There we go. Uh, and this is gonna be a question for Tony also. Is it the side yard setbacks This this particular zone is uh, minimum five feet, but the combination of the two side yards need to be 15 feet. And over on the east side, you've got 10 feet of setback. And here on the west side, I'm not sure what your setback is. And you show a seven foot 11 and a half inch to that area underneath as to where those units set back in. But then you also have balconies that extend out in the setback area, and in this particular section, they actually extend beyond the property line, which I don't think is allowable. Uh, and that, and so I'm just I'm just looking at this, and as far as what is allowed to extend out into the setback area, now on the first level, you've got you show some fencing. Kind of fencing of the patios of those lower levels and that And then we have the balconies that are out over over the area or over into the setback area and i guess i i need to lean on tony and and john on this one on the code is that it's my understanding that anything that extends into the setback needs to have either a minor uh approval or some form of approval process if we even approve it. And so I just I, I'm curious as to the setbacks and everything and this, this section actually shows that when you go seven foot eleven and a half inches, and then you go up to the front face of the uh, section of the the two levels, top levels, it doesn't look like it's even five foot back. So I'm just curious as to the setback requirements and, and that because in that setback area, then there's very little landscaping, if any at all, in between. I mean, a little bit at each of the columns as you go down along that uh, that side. Does Tony or John does that that make yeah. sense?
4: Yeah, so the setback for this particular zone is is seven feet off of 130th. um, Off of the property line. Off the property line. Um,
7: And um, I believe so this was this was something that got brought up a lot at planning commission uh, uh, like a year ago or actually more like a year and a half ago when the zoning was was edited um so we were part of that process back then and did a lot of studies for the city in terms of helping them understand what they were writing and how it could be interpreted um and one of the comments that was made so there's a there's a setback at grade which is that seven feet tony just mentioned and then a step back for upper levels above level three. Yeah. Um, and the step back, I believe the average is twelve feet. Tony, you might have to remind me at this point if that landed at eight or 12, but I'm pretty sure it's 12 on
4: this frontage yeah, um, it's an a- and so average we... is 12 feet. It's on, it's on, yeah. um, page 24 of the package.
7: Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and so as we worked through this with the planning commission, uh, We talked about what is that seven foot step back down at grade four and the answer was mainly for residential Stoops so Stoops um, amenity space specific to apartment homes that's the intention of that space, um, which is what we're doing with it we've stepped back a little bit further than what's required, but that's mainly so that we can provide a um, some security along that edge. Um, and then in the planning commission, they did clarify that because they were going to require such a large setback at the upper levels, that it would be allowed to have the building come back over the setback after the first level. So in this building, our first level, our level one is actually pretty tall. It's, um, it's to commercial height because we did want to keep the southeast corner at a commercial height. So all of level one is at a commercial height. So it's a pretty tall area, um, and actually at Planning Commission, we even showed an example that showed it continuously pushed back forward. Um, I think we even more dramatically showed it all the way to the property line, um, basically to say, you know, are you sure this is what you picture when you write this into the code? You know, this is this is what people will take advantage of and do. Um, and one of the board members, or not board members, one of the Planning Commission members um, I'm trying to think which planning commission member it was, actually made a comment that he preferred that, that he liked the, the, um, the security and safety feeling of the overhang. And so that's, that's what we, we worked with um, coming off of the planning commission direction. We're not quite all the way back out to the property line, of course. Um, we're working more in terms of what's feasible in wood construction. So we're coming back out four feet.
11: So you're basically a four-foot setback from the property line.
7: Or everything above level one. For level one, we're uh-huh. set back
11: almost eight feet. You, But yeah. Part of, part of what you're saying is you're saying that in that planning commission and everything, there is a, like a 12-foot step back. I don't quite understand. There
2: is.
9: A, yeah. Above, uh, above it, third
11: floor. Above third floor is you Yeah. Up okay, here. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh and then, so I okay. I I just I, I just want to raise the question. to Tony is does this fall? I mean, if there's a planning condition, uh-huh. documentation, and that type of thing that defines that. But the other aspect of this is, as uh-huh. you show the balconies hanging out over the property line. I don't think that's kosher. So, <laughs> uh, that that would work. So uh, I just wanted to bring that up. That. As you go down along this side, then your responsibility for landscaping and that is pretty much almost under the building. And so if we if we take a look at the landscaping along this side, other than the right of way. Mm-hmm. The yeah.
7: the landscaping yeah. along this side is basically in the right of way. Um, the right of way requirements are far less than the space that's actually there. So. Uh, Even with widening the right-of-way to provide on-street parking and the new um, landscape buffer and then the required sidewalk, there's still quite a bit of landscape space remaining. And so, that's the space that's getting used to really provide an additional buffer between the um, patio at grade. Let's see here.
11: And where is the lane? There we go. So as we as we look at it from the curb of the street, coming back mm-hmm. on the uh, the right-of-way with the sidewalk there. And the and the back edge of the sidewalk is you know, the where's say your property line or is the property line right at the face of what you're showing the building right there?
7: The the property line is here basically at the building line. Um, So that's the the edge of the property line to the right-of-way. The center line of the right-of-way is somewhere actually in kind of here. We don't have it drawn on here, but so the space that's here is what would be required for one lane of traffic, plus on-street parking, plus the curb, plus the required landscape, plus um, the—or plus the required landscape buffer. Plus the sidewalk requirement, and then what's remaining is this whole section here, which you can tell just based on on the scale of things is, um, you know, somewhere the, plan, a, the, the tune of five to six feet, yeah.
11: But the plan is um, showing here. The plan is showing here is first floor, correct? Correct. W- which shows so in- which shows the recessed exterior wall, so you've got the stoop right there. Yep. And then at the at the face of those columns coming out or those uh, Mm -hmm. that you just drew right there. That, I mean, it's the face of those particular columns is where the balconies start. And so then the balconies hang out over your property. Yes. I believe the edge of the building up above is in line. It's actually, let me yeah so I've just, I'm just, it's I i'm I just i i'm best. I'm questioning that with yeah. uh, with Tony to i don't know I've never been able to build out over a property line so <laughs> uh, i I'm just asking the question that that it probably needs to be be looked at and then when that balcony extends into essentially a setback now, whether or not it's a direct code or if it's an amendment to the code because of the planning commission and how they they adjusted this that would be another thing so uh, i'm just i'm just looking at that and it just isn't clear to me as to how all that works and and that so that that's really my question uh the rest of it i mean the others have done a great job as you know running you around the building and getting your explanation the building works really well. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Randall. Um, It's my turn now. So um, Maggie, uh, I think uh, during the last uh, meeting that we had, um, it was discussed that if the applicant could provide a 3D model, that we really appreciate it. Um, Just wondering uh, if you guys have something prepared
7: we, we do have our SketchUp model here, um, yeah, if that's, it's helpful.
0: Yeah, that's
6: actually um,
0: nice.
7: <laughs> I, I will uh, I will give the caveat that, of course, you're not looking at it rendered. So you're seeing, if I zoom in, you see kind of every strange construction line joint of how we yeah. built the model, not yeah, actually no reflective of yeah. <laughs> the materials. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I understand. Yeah, try. Yeah, try not to judge some of yeah. the, the weird stuff you see at corners and things like that. And of course, yeah. the, the landscape itself, um, these funny-looking clouds are what you call a modeling asset. Yeah. And so they look funny here until you render. So yeah,
6: no yeah,
0: worries. But,
7: keep that in uh, mind. But we do have it if it's desired.
0: Could you rotate your view to look at the building from the, no- from the northwest uh, corner of the property? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, just just zoom in so we can avoid the trees that are covering the the building. Maybe create an eagle eye view um, just to, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. so I'm just trying to understand um, how it interacts with the Pagliacci. Is there Mm going to be any type of of fence that is going to divide the properties there, or what's the intent?
7: Uh, there's no sense, um, but we it's not modeled this way because we didn't render back in here, but um, there is quite a bit of landscaping. As a matter of fact, most of this, what looks like just a white platform kind of okay. right there, is landscaping. Um, okay. So there's pretty dense uh, landscape buffer between the back of the pogliachi and these units across here. Um, there's also some grade change there. Um, and... I can get this to deselect. Uh, these funny holes that are showing up in the model, that's mm-hmm. where the transformer vaults are for this, this project. Um, so, um, there's an egress stair exit mm-hmm. here and a sidewalk that comes down um, out to here. But otherwise, pretty much all of this is, is uh, there, heavily landscaped.
0: Is there going to be some sort of fence beyond that uh, door that um, is located on the north, north East face.
5: Oh, here?
0: Yeah. Kind of like a fence that separates the landscaping, or is that kind of like a retaining wall that is going to create the next platform for the landscape area? Uh,
10: Rachel,
7: can you speak to whether there's a, a fence here?
8: Um, I don't think that we were thinking that it does, because it more or less meets the grade behind Pagliacci. Um, you can see that there is sort of a barrier to get up to the next level. And I think that does provide um, kind of a a standard safety barrier. Um, So we're trying to meet grade um, kind of as much as possible
6: Mm
8: -hmm. um, and keep it open.
0: And what kind of landscaping is gonna is intended to be installed there, or well, is intended to be um, basically provided at that, that area?
8: Yeah, I think it would be um, kind of the same as our sort of woodland mix. It's north facing, so it's going to be pretty shady. Um, so something like ferns and um, you know, kind of native uh, understory shrubs would be appropriate. Um our goal is to kind of have it be lush and full and not something that people could really walk through.
0: Okay. And on the on the on the west uh, portion next to the garage entry uh where the vehicular access is, uh there it seems that in your plan uh you can rotate to the other side, sorry, on the 130 at the corner Mm -hmm. of the building behind the Mm Pagliacci. That wall, uh, it seems that there's landscaping there. Um, Are you intending to provide shrubs there, or are those kind of like the cities or evergreens? Just wondering if that um, solid mass is gonna create a um, blank wall.
8: Yeah, we have... um we have trees in there they're not in this model um just because we haven't really had a view that that necessitated the plants being populated here mm-hmm. but um maggie if you switch back to the plan you can see the the few um trees that we've got in those zones where there's you know a vegetated buffer would be good
0: do you have a do you have identified if those are gonna be evergreen or deciduous?
8: um we're showing them as deciduous um but we have a number of of different um plant options, one of which is a magnolia that's evergreen um but you know something that'll do well in dense shade
0: okay um Going back to the model, to the 3D model, uh, it is my understanding that there's going to be some sort of impact with the bus stop. What type of improvements or um, discussions you've been having uh, about the relocation of that bus stop and the potential site improvements to that area?
7: Rachel, do you do you want to speak to that? Sorry, (laughs) I was (laughs) like,
9: I
8: am. I'm not as clued into what the approach is there.
7: Um, I do believe we've looked into it, and I don't remember what the the outcome was with the city in terms of where they wanted it. We do have open space kind of here that it could go or here um my memory said it was actually in this area and so the seat walls and things um, that are proposed in this area would serve as as part of the ability for people to wait um, for a bus
0: okay I uh, just wondering I think that I read that in the development standards uh, I was one of the comments that you guys uh, received which said that it was still I I don't I don't remember if it was under traffic. I'm just trying to look for it, but um, there was some discussion about that. So just wondering, I didn't see it in your in your plans. So just making sure that that's properly identified, and if there are any conditions that need to be met, then they are. Uh, Additionally, I also saw a comment in the development standards document. Um, It was from the fire department, was saying that access that if Fire department access is not met. Just wondering what that entails and if that is gonna um, represent any um, any revisions to to the design or the massing of the space of the building.
7: I have not seen those comments.
4: It was um, part of the packet that is. Yeah, uh, it was. For, it's, 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 it, it was attachment four, but I think it's what, so what they're saying is, so the distance around the building is 380 feet, the fire department access is not met. So then I think that's when they 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 have to, that's when you have to provide the the fire lane on the south edge of the property. Mm.
3: So, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: So I think that's what it's, that's what it, I mean, you guys can confirm that with the fire department, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what they're, what they're meaning is that. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, Maggie, sense. could you go back to the 3D model, please?
11: hmm
0: And could you go to 130th Street, kind of like where Randall was talking about um, those areas? Mm-hmm. Um, I, and this is a question for Tony. I think that I have the same um, question that Randall had. Uh, to me, it seems that the building is standing at plus minus four feet and it has fenestrations, kind of like those recessed areas. Uh, wh- what is uh, the, I- and I don't know if you guys have prepared this or have a kind of like an answer, but is there a specific language that talks about massing and kind of like fenestrations or those recessed uh, elements, even though kind of like columns extend beyond that and kind of like align with the, um mass or the volumes above the first floor.
4: And this is I, for, I, I think that for was a Tony. question for Tony. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um well I so I wanted to clarify on the on the setback. It was it was my understanding and we'll we'll confirm this with, with Scott Guter who who helped draft the regulations. Um but it's basically the code says a task stacked one units um, located at street level along Northeast 60th and 130th shall have a minimum of seven foot required yard. So, it was our understanding that was just that that first that first level, um, and then the I, upper stories. Then Tony, the upper stories. Yeah, sorry.
0: Um, sorry to pause you sorry. and interrupt yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, does the Does the code specify what the unit entails? Because those columns are part of the units, right? So, if it really kind of like meet the code requirement or the code intent, then those columns that extend mm-hmm. uh, from the upper uh, spaces to the floor would need to be pushed back to have the the true seven feet um, setback requirement or meet the seven feet setback requirement, right?
4: Yeah, I, w- I would think so. That that's something we need to we need to look at. I it wasn't wasn't clear, and I think that's what this review of these plans has made it clear that that's um, that is something that is projecting into the setback. Um, I thought we were just talking about the the patio areas, um, uh, you know. So uh, we will look at that and and address that um, okay. with the applicant. I
7: I will say that those those pilasters, there's no okay. occupiable space in them. There's not even a closet. Inside mm-hmm. of them, so they're really just architectural um, expression and modulation. They're they're not part of the unit because they're not habitable. You you can't inhabitate in them or use them in any sort of interior functional way.
0: Okay. I mean, it could be red or as part of the building footprint. But I'll let uh, Tony and staff.
4: Yeah, we well, we can we can look at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, Maggie, uh, regarding those um, balconies. Uh, I see Mm -hmm. um, that those are extending. Is it like four and a half feet uh, from the face of the zero walls? And what is the material on the underside of those? uh, They're
7: they're metal balconies, and the um, the railings are glass. So it's a it's a um, a metal, and it's powder coated. um, So it's a dark metal.
0: And from the underside of the of the balconies, what is the material? I saw some renderings that had uh, some wood-like finish, wood look finish, but these are—oh, ones...
7: those are the underside of the canopies is cedar. Uh, the underside of these balconies is—they um, would be metal, but the underside of all the canopies are cedar. Uh, let's see if I can
0: and get back the metal to uh, on the rendering. underside of the canop of the um, balconies. I'm just talking about the balconies in a specific. Um, sure. The underside of the balconies—is can... uh, is that going to all... be treated uh, with a finish? Right. They
7: would—they would be powder coated like all of the, okay. the metal here. So yeah. Um, so the cedar is on on overhangs and canopies, okay. but the balconies themselves are just powder coated metal. You can see them here, the underside of them.
0: And from the renderings and that. You doesn't show any um, surface-mounted drainage. I'm guessing that everything is going to be routed internally through the exterior walls, or how's that handled?
7: Yes, yes. All um, all of the roof drainage is happening through interior walls, so you're you you would not see downspouts and covers, um, those kind of things on these facades.
0: Okay, and um, are those um balconies are all the balconies going to have the glass uh uh for the uh what is it called the guard
7: yes yes they the glass railings glass guard railings on the balcony
0: throughout the entire project or balconies Yes. okay mm, i think that's all that i have thank you very much Thank you. All right, uh, we'll proceed. Uh, so now, uh, now now it will be time for anyone in the audience to make any comments uh, or questions to the applicant about this project specifically. Uh, any specific um, staff,
3: do we have uh, anyone in the list? Yeah, we have several people in the attendees list. So if you would like to make public comment at this time, please raise your hand using the raise hand feature in the Zoom. Um, give it a few minutes of, let's see here. I don't see anyone raising their hand at this point. We'll wait a little bit here.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'm not seeing anyone, Carlos.
0: Okay, I'm yep. just gonna say again, as a reminder, uh, this is the time for, anyone with the audience to make any comments or questions to the applicant about this project. So if there's anyone that would like to ask any questions, please raise your hand.
3: Otherwise we'll proceed with deliberation. Yeah. There's no hands are being raised.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, um, there being none, so we'll proceed with deliberation. Uh, so now it's time for the board to deliberate on this project in specifics. So uh, board members, um, who would like to start? Is that Randall, you were the last, so do you wanna start the discussion?
11: Uh, yeah, I'll, <clears throat> I guess I'll start I, I, as far as the project, uh, it's obvious that I missed the second review of this because there's some things that are done that I haven't seen before. But I I like what they're doing here and what they're doing up the uh, the east side where you've got the little pocket parks, little pocket recesses are happening there. That it actually does interplay with the uh, patios and the Residence, but still keeps it secure. And and on the south side of the building, they they tie into that property to the south because eventually that property will be built the same height as this building um, in the future, uh, whenever that may be. And so, so I think I think it I think it works very well. I just a little confused as the 130th and some of the things that are happening in the setback there in that one area. And that and the the one area that I've, I'm kind of concerned about is behind the Pagliacci restaurant and pizza location. Now, that building is eventually will be taken out and something something placed into that corner. But in the meantime, the the north wall of that that 130th section coming up and in the the west wall of the retail coming over. Uh, when you look at the, the sketch up and then the other elevations, they've, you know, I can see they want to leave it kind of plain because someday it's going to get covered up, and I'm just not sure if it's got enough. Uh, it's pretty much all monotone at that point. And I you just, you know, you've got a front coming across with the brick and the color, you know, the the muted colors and that type of thing work and seem to work well, but right at that corner it seems to kind of drop off. But I there's a reason for it. It's because you're you're right up against the property line that someday could be covered up. But uh, and that type of thing. But the rest of the rest of the project, uh the only other the only other question I would have is as you get back away from this project, and say you get back to the south part of the shopping uh center strip mall to the south, and you look back and you look at the parapet line, you start there's a there's somewhat of a a jog in the parapet. It it does it does start to change some elevations in that, but the further you get back, you're gonna start to perceive that as a very solid, straight line. And I'm just not sure if it's if it's accentuated enough for the size of the building as to when you go around, I mean, it, it does appear to be two, definitely two buildings on the South side of that tenant court, but still as you have they as you modulate the building and, and certain patterns going across that South, I just don't know if they have, uh, the parapet has been, um, I mean, and, and that's kind of a, Personal preference, but if it's been modulated enough, so that those would be my concerns or my questions in the project. Oh,
0: sorry, I was mute. Um, so the applicant also has to request when it's for um, basically uh, not having uh, commercial uses along the true block pathway and the other one. Is regarding the building frontage how do you feel about those two uh
11: I would I would support the requests on the southeast corner as to what they're doing there and then as far as the retail on the north side along 70th I think uh given given the size of the shopping center to the south and the size of that particular property the amount of future you know basically future commercial space or retail space under any facility goes in there. there's going to be a fair amount of retail in this area and but that street visibility is extremely important for quarry retail to survive and so we want to make sure that it's an project in that and so I would I would support the request.
0: okay, yeah, all right. I mean uh, the only thing that I can agree well, not the only thing, but one of the things that I agree with you is the blank wall at the north side behind the Pagliacci. And maybe uh, that I don't know, that if that can be treated with uh, material, different material portion of that wall to just break the monotony of the white. Uh, I mean, it would be kind of like a, the less impactful um, move for the applicant if we like to see more. Um, more use of different materials and colors, but uh, I'll I'll keep that comment and I'll see if the keyboard has similar thoughts. Um, Supriya, do you want do you want to be next?
1: Sure. Um. My I I agree with Randall. I think this project has been done very. There's a lot of thought being given to a lot of these spaces. So um, I think the two things that I had concerns about, one was about that plaza at the entry and it actually activating that space. And maybe that's an opportunity for art or something that brings people in it. Uh, That's one thought. And then the second was about the colors, the overall color scheme and, You know, I know that there is uh, the thought about using natural colors and more muted colors, but we live in an environment that's typically gray and having so much more gray, uh, you lose that punch. And so um, maybe there's a little bit more depth to the colors, a little bit more warmth, I don't think that I'm going to be the one commenting on whether an individual, you know, hardy board plank panel or that should be a different color. That that's not my point. I think overall, um, I like the way the materials are used, but I feel like maybe there is a uh, there's an opportunity there to create more depth um, in the colors itself uh, to create a little bit more identity. Uh, for this project. So those were kind of my two comments, really, but otherwise uh, I thought there's a lot of thought being given to the spaces created and uh, the materials used.
0: Okay, and uh, regarding the re- um, requests from the applicant for the lock pathway, um, non-commercial use and... Uh, the frontage uh along 70 are you I agree support? I agree
1: with that yeah I agree with that yeah.
0: okay um shoshana would you like to be next
3: shoshana you're muted
5: shoshana
2: you're muted
5: <laughs> you just lost all my pearls of wisdom okay so I'll go again
0: (laughs) Um, happens to everyone don't worry
5: (laughs) yeah but uh so what I'd like to say is like I mentioned before um and uh what I'd like to see is the roots of the project this is what I'm I'm missing I mean there's Sorry, I should have started with the positive. There's a huge improvement and we can see how uh, this project is coming to life following, you know, all our comments and considerations from the last meeting. We can definitely see how uh, these are incorporated and we're trying to follow the guidelines and and, and do everything that is needed. And I think that what I'm trying to say with that is what I'm missing is the extra mile that we got used to see from projects in this caliber in these areas in Kirkland. We've always had something that said, okay, you know what, this is Potomac. Lake, this is Kirkland urban, this is um, sorry I don't remember the other names but they kind of like had their own character, right? They had their own staple. This is who we are, right? And everyone's following that. I mean, when someone will tell you this is Kirkland Urban, you will know exactly, you will have an image of the vibe that is there. And that vibe is created with the small details. With the, that's the added value that I'm missing. Again with Totem Lake, everybody has like an immediate picture in the head of what is Totem Lake. And I mean, with all the great improvements that we've seen here, I'm missing the personality. So, and and like you said yourselves, bridal trails is a very, very, um, I would say rich in resources area with the state park, and the history, and the horses, and the traditions and everything that is coming out of there. This is also the first project that will set a model for everything that will come after. So, um, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself, so I would say that This is what I'm missing. And I would definitely like to see more of that. And I love the direction of where it's going, but I feel like this is not completed, but this is a milestone, if I can say that. Yeah.
0: Well, let me see if I'm uh, getting it right. Um, Typically, it comes like we see uh, specific things for different areas. Um, What I'm perceiving, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you want to see uh, stronger character of the building based on the location right and uh that could be achieved uh through um art or materials is that correct or is there art something
5: materials specific? landscaping um promises i mean there are so many different ways in which you set foot in a place and yeah I mean, I will. These these are my ideas, but obviously, I would let the applicant explore and come All up right. with their own ideas. Maybe they're better.
0: Okay, so the direction is basically that something that is tied to this area in specific, and due to the nature of the location, private trails. I guess that it's easy for, for or we are hoping that it's going to be easier for the applicant to pick something from that area and incorporate it into here. I saw a lot of ferns uh, to which uh, it kind of like relates. I've I done the trail there, so I see a lot of ferns. So that's something nice, kind of like brings back that atmosphere. So um, good comments. And uh, regarding the um, request from the applicant regarding um, the um, Commercial use not required along the true path and the um, frontage for commercial at on seventeenth. Our June support of those. Two? Can I
5: say that it is contingent on superior design?
0: <laughs> yes.
5: Yes. So, so this is my, this is my uh, approach to that. Yes, I mean. Overall, I'm positive about that. And mm-hmm. I do want them to be where they, you know, aim to be. It makes a lot of sense, but I would like to see the effort for that.
0: Okay. Um. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amy?
2: So I'm gonna start with the positives. Um, I w- definitely appreciate the way they've broken up the, massing of the main building um, if you uh you're standing at any of the street um you're not going to see a gigantic wall um you know they they definitely have deep recesses and um uh you know there was something i read in the design standards that talk about you know how the building should read as small smaller Free st- you know independent buildings um and so um I see an attempt to do that with the way they've um even though this is practically one continuous floor floor plate um you know they they uh they managed to do that by creating different Bays um and also uh, breaking up the massing with vertical and horizontal modulation the step backs that, um you know created more of a two story or three story building at the you know closer to the street um uh i think that um in terms of scale of the building um i um i have no concerns um in terms of materials i also don't have any concerns um Uh, I do agree with Priya and with um, Shoshana in terms of uh, looking, you know, in terms of color, um, you know, how, you know, uh, I would really encourage the applicant to explore um, the type of colors they use. Um, And, um, you know, I do commend them for um, applying brick, um, especially on the lower levels, Um, it it does, uh, you know, provide a warmer you know um earth type tone um and and again uh you know one of the thoughts i had is um where they applied the brick on the commercial versus the residential facade maybe they can look at two different brick colors because then again you know um it's it conveys that, that these are two different uses to the building. Um and so even and it and and it also adds to you know further creating that idea of smaller buildings on a block instead of one gigantic building with the same materials applied different ways. Um, uh, I also um commend them for using and, and I I do um think that they, they did the right choice of uh, creating the special mullions, almost more, more classic mullions for the retail instead of the usual storefront windows that we see. Uh, I think that's appropriate for Bridal Trails being a more, you know, smaller scale, more neighborhood, uh, more residential um, community. Uh, and so you know I would encourage them to you know take to that cue you know and 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 using that all along the ground floor right um in wherever it's possible um uh I do uh also uh have no issues no concerns with 70th I think the, the 70th Street facade both the combination of um plaza and open space and uh, retail, um, I think, um, you know, angling that one wall um, and creating a bigger plaza is definitely a positive and and makes it a more dynamic um, facade um, without compromising this, the, the pedestrian um, experience. Um, so I don't have so i do support the, the um the the design um variation or or flexibility and i can't remember the right technical term tony but um that the their request to um uh, increase the um the residential facade on 70th um it's and uh and, and the the as far as with uh, the reduction of commercial uses along both the um, east through block and the south through block, um, I do not support that. Um, I do not think that what they are proposing is acceptable or adequate. Uh, however, I I do have some recommendation that uh, will make it just like Soshana um, see to see. Uh, uh, a more refined treatment of the ground floor um, to convince me that removing all those commercial and retail to activate the ground floor spaces um, can be done without actual retail and commercial spaces. So I'm gonna start with the open spaces that they're providing. on the most part, I think that um, that um, open space where they have the, you know, the uh, work from home um, space overlooking the public open space, um, and and the way they've provided a very you know a variety of outdoor seating, um, that's um, that's actually a, a good good treatment for that plaza. And um, I also think that on the south, where they have what is supposed to be the uh, fire truck turnaround, um, and using you know um, using that space as a plaza with movable furniture and special paving, and then having the children's outdoor play area there again with the with the interaction between the the residential amenity space and that public plaza. Um, I think that's also a good alternative to retail or commercial. Um, I am not convinced that what they claim can be convertible re- um, residential amenity space today to retail in the future will be um, will ever happen because they're not providing the required retail parking. So no retailer will be able to go in there without the, you know, without adequate parking, unless they can show us that they will provide an equivalent number of parking spaces for all those retail amenity space. Um, I I won't accept that as an alternative. However, um, I think that there's a good opportunity to activate the south property, the south edge of the property with that uh, fire truck lane. Uh, They can make that into a promenade uh, with special paving, with lighting, um, and with artwork. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, this is where what Shoshana was talking about earlier, where um, do something to this project to say you're in Kirkland. I think this is such a big space and a great opportunity that um, I would really encourage the applicant to look at. And then um, on the east through block, wherever there is no open space, I would also like to see art incorporated along the edges so you'll have art continuously lining along the south and the east in um in as a substitute to the commercial or retail spaces. Um the the one open space that I think is the least successful is the one right south of the, you know, the so it's on the southeast. I'm sorry, in the northeast corner, you have that retail space, and then you have that open space. So I think that space needs to be further refined and redesigned. And again, just as I pointed out, you know, with the um, the two other open spaces that they provided, uh, where you have the interface of the uh, residential amenity space and the um, public space, um, doing something like that, or again making that into, may, you know, maybe one larger art piece, um, something, something to to make that space memorable and special and welcoming. Um, I also think that because they did not provide the commercial spaces. Then they are having a problem with providing the um, weather protection, um, and I know staff will be taking, you know, I mean, um, reviewing that. But I would like to see how they are going to design and, um, you know, propose how they are going to provide the continuous covered or weather protection along all the arterial and through block connections. Um, So even though there is a numerical requirement for that, I also think that the weather protection, um, if designed correctly, will enhance that pedestrian um, experience. And again, because you're not providing the commercial uses, um, you have to do a lot more to your ground floor treatment in order to provide the same level of activation and um, interaction or or pedestrian friendly features that we would have you know that we would we would have had if you followed and just complied with the code um, so I um. So I'd also like to see um, how you're gonna treat the um, the blank walls. Um, and then the other thing, uh, as far as uh, with those open spaces, um, I'd like to see um, a little bit more detail on the finishes of your concrete. Um, again, the way you're treating this, you're treating this like another one like one of your other projects and the way I look at this this is a substitute your open spaces are a substitute to your um, not meeting the code requirements and for that I ask myself is this good enough Um, I think you're there you're almost there but um, I, I would like to see higher finishes of your open spaces and not just plain concrete retaining walls um, or planters um, all along where you, you're showing grade changes. And again, those are great opportunities to put art, um, you know, some sort of, and I will leave it up to you, but those are blank palettes for you. Um, so I would like to um, see that at the next review. Um, Let's see. Double check and make sure I got everything. Okay, so your retail number three space, which is on the northeast corner, I don't like that. Is ask, that is asking for a corner door. You, the way you design that um, in the future, you're gonna have retail across. Across that space, so it's gonna, there's gonna be that, that's gonna bookend that entry or, or through-block passage. Um, I'd like to see that. Right now, the way you designed it, it's really not um, acknowledging that corner, um, and and so I think that there's an opportunity there to either provide another door or or chamfer that corner or or do something so that in the future we can we can see you know almost like a it becomes almost like a retail gateway to this project um, let's see um okay so i think that's all i have
0: Thank you, Amy. I think that you brought a good point regarding uh, the treatment of the southeast um, corner of the building, just the exchange for from retail or commercial space to more something of an amenity for the residential areas. And I do believe that um, this building is gonna set the tone for future improvements of uh, adjacent properties. Uh, to which uh, if the applicant is requesting um, uh, to make some uh, changes that do not follow the zoning or the design guidelines, I guess that it do need, need to be translated into superior design, which could be expressed as art. So I feel the same way about that. Uh, it kind of feels that um, the north uh, portion of the building located along 70, um, should be retail and bring the entry to the residential area to the south, kind of like to highlight that area since uh, the, the program of the applicant is so heavy on residential use on the south, it kind of like makes more sense to dedicate the north to just retail or reduce the footprint for the amenity space so more retail area can be provided at that area. I, I mean... From one perspective, the the applicant is providing um, a plaza that could be used for a restaurant. My question is if that restaurant is going to use the entire uh, space there for their exclusive use, because that's not providing open public space. Basically, the the restaurant can take uh, control of that entire area and not let the pedestrians use that area. So it creates kind of like a gray area uh, regarding what is the extent of the restaurant uh, for their exclusive use and what's uh, assigned for uh, public use, you know? So I think that I agree with you on that. The other one that I uh, agree is the material selection. I, I believe that the applicant is heading into the right path. I like the material palette, but still think, and the same as Shoshana, that it needs uh, more character so maybe exploring different types of brick tones could help uh, differentiate the commercial from the residential or highlight the specific portions of, of the building, architectural elements um, that could uh, bring more interest um, to the pedestrian experience. One of the things that uh, I didn't see clearly, it was a, a landscaping plan. Previously, we had had other applicants where they identify the species. Here, it was a little bit more general and we were relying on renderings, but still it doesn't depict the exact or the uh, more accurate uh, selection of planting slash trees that are gonna be uh, located. So these are things that um, I believe that need refinement. blank water treatment, especially around the Pagliacci Uh, Right now, as you drive to the um, east, uh, from west to east on 70, the first thing that you look at is that that corner, that piece of the building, and it feels that it was just left with no design, Uh, so it might be just um, a matter of further uh, identifying the design opportunities with different treatment materials or um blank wall treatments maybe some art can be incorporated into those walls i don't know it, i guess that it, it, it there's a lot of po- potential there to just make it more interesting without having to alter the building massing i i believe that the, there are different options that the applicant can um pick from uh, regarding what they want to do uh while the package is still there to just um create a more um, interesting and pleasing um, approach from that corner of the property. The, the the one thing that I'm more concerned about is just the setback interpretation and what can be done there. I know that, that it's a discussion and it probably might be on uh, the staff to just clarify to us what is their um, final interpretation on that, but still the um, balconies are extending beyond the property line so uh, that's definitely something that I'll um, like the city to um, confirm if that's actually allowed or if uh, the applicant will need to um, adjust the design of um, the west portion of the building where the residential areas are to, com- to comply with the, um, the zoning and the um, requirements, the code requirements for this area. And just overall, Those, I guess, are my biggest um, comments, uh, which are very in line to what Shoshana, you, and some of Randall's comments expressed as well. Materials, I I believe that everyone uh, expressed some uh, concern about just materials. So uh, with that, it seems that uh, we would like to ask the applicant to come to a next meeting addressing these items. Um, is that correct, board? Or do you guys feel that something is should be addressed different?
2: Yes, I agree.
5: Yes, I totally agree. We would need another um design review board meeting to conclude.
1: I agree, Carlos. I think more detail on those. Um, I think Amy. Talked about it a little bit on how the seat walls are, the materials on those, and just finer details.
0: Yeah, and specifically about the uh, true block connection, I believe that uh, we haven't really analyzed how the um, applicant is proposing the uh, landscaping there, the paving selection, uh, the the patterns that they are uh, selecting there, this is gonna be what is gonna set the standard for the other properties. Uh, I believe that if uh, the applicant is not providing uh, um, commercial use on the South, what is South, Southeast portion, public art might be something that might attract that. So it's a give and take, you know, uh, something that can provide superior design while still um, kind of like, Helping the applicant uh, complete their program, but uh, if the majority feels that this is the path that they should take, then uh, we'll um, we'll like to call the applicant for uh, uh, continuation of this design response conference. John,
3: do we need to do it through motion? Um- I think a mm-hmm. motion is good, but I think we need to get uh, Tony. Maybe if you can coordinate a date, um,
0: and and also to clarify if the the uh, applicant um, understand our concerns and we, what we would like to see for the next meeting.
4: Yeah, yes. I think- Go ahead, Tony. Yep. But yeah, I think that was probably the the key um, thing. I I heard a lot of discussions here, and I just mm-hmm. just want to make sure we have a consensus on what what exactly we want the the applicant to come back with. I know there's just each of you had discussions on separate things, um, but maybe just kind of finalizing that um, that uh, re- the request for the applicant.
0: Sure. So uh, I guess that uh, we can start with materials. Uh, we uh, recommend the applicant to um, revise or review the material selection. Um, The initial selection is uh, acceptable. However, we don't feel that it meets the uh, character, don't fully meet the character of this. So maybe exploring different type of brick colors, uh, brick brick tones, uh, or um, different type of uh, colors, palettes that will help um, this project bring more interest or more character to to the location. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The second is um, the um, site plans um, having uh, more detailed or more refined uh, information regarding uh, exterior papers, um, patterns. Uh, pay- Paper selection, uh, same with landscaping plants. More refined information regarding uh, plants, uh, trees, and lighting. Of... Yeah, I guess that it can go together since uh,
9: it's part of it.
0: The board also also has concerns regarding black blank wall treatment in a specific. Uh, adjacent to the Pagliacci property. So uh, we recommend the applicant to look at different uh, materials or color selections for those areas that could help break the mass uh, of those uh, walls that are adjacent to the property, as well as to look into um, techniques uh, for blank wall treatment uh, that are at a great level.
9: Pedestrian
6: level. Okay. Uh, Other things. Oh,
9: sorry. And
2: also public art. Um, Yes. As I mentioned, where they're not providing commercial uses, um, they need to provide public art.
0: Yeah, the board believes that uh, for the board to allow uh, the uh, request for uh, not providing commercial use along the true block pathway, uh, the applicant will need to demonstrate uh, through other um, techniques such as art or um, different uh, elements that bring uh, more character and more interest to this. Especially since this is the uh, the south or the southeast. Uh, portion of the property connects to the other properties directly, we believe that that's uh, a key area that will need to be further refined. Um, uh, I will also uh, request, and this is probably also for the staff, to provide a um, a definite, walnut. Well, not um, a final interpretation on the setback uh, requirements along 130 to um, clarify to the board, uh, how does that measure, if that goes to the actual um, residential frontage or or if it's actually the building footprint along the uh, first floor uh, on how the um, applicant should be measuring that as well as the interpretation regarding the balconies that are extending the property lines?
2: So, Carlos, um, I just wanted to make a clarification that um, I think the retail and commercial uses are Required not only on the southeast; it's all along the screw block connections yeah. and the minor arterials. Yeah, so, one the, yeah, one of the
0: one of the comments that they mentioned is that there's no parking, or due to the um, layout of the building, there's no parking um, at that area. That's why they. And I guess that Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's why the applicant was requesting this um, this um, change to the commercial requirement
9: along the true block path due to
0: the uh, front edge of the building with the uh, property line. Is that correct? Or, or Maggie, uh, if you could
9: chime in on that. Um I'm, I'm
7: sorry my screen has totally frozen which has distracted me for a second. Um can you can you repeat that last yeah. little bit?
0: Yeah, so we want we would like to understand um very briefly what is the nature of not providing uh, the a commercial use along the true block. Um the true block uh what is it called true block pathway?
7: E- yes, yeah, so you know I think the the code allows for some increase of residential frontage at your discretion at the board's discretion based on places where it's infeasible and so as we worked through this with tony a little bit before you know before coming to the board um you know i i think he felt somewhat comfortable and that we had explained fairly clearly about uh, why retail really shouldn't be, or commercial uses, not specifically retail, but commercial uses shouldn't be included facing the blank wall of grocery outlet or in the places where you can't actually connect to grade because of the sloping. Um, And I think the focus became on the Southeast corner in particular, because that is the location where you do have better access to grade. Um, And so that became kind of the focus. It's also the nexus of the two through block connections. So arguably the most important part um, but as I've listened to your all's comments, I, I do understand or I think I understand what Amy is getting at in terms of, you know, being sure that the special character and the unique elements and the public art and those really enriching elements that make this have a sense of place that those aren't just at the, the southeast corner, but those are things that happen along both like the full frontages of the through blocks. Um, okay, I, okay. That's what I understood from her.
6: Yes, um, yes that,
0: that, that's how the board feels. And just quick question. On yes. the, uh, I, I saw that uh, there's a comment um, about the potential of the South. Uh, South to become uh, commercial use. Um, are your parking calculations anticipating that change of use
7: Um, I can go back and double check. I want to say there was some extra built in, but I don't know the exact numbers. So we we can go back and double check exactly um, where that falls.
0: Okay, And and another thing that I I think I remember from your presentation is that you were mentioning that uh, trash uh, collection, I think that that was another challenge. And that's why you guys didn't provide it on the southeast because it was very far away from the Um, connection well from the parking uh, driveway so um, Mm -hmm. that correct because if that is the case then the potential uh, of having a southeast as commercial would uh, be reduced right the possibility
7: It, it does so it does play into it um this is kind of a bigger discussion about um the ambiance of that area in general so the best way i can explain it is um, i've worked on a another project in a totally different jurisdiction but in a very um, retail centric place where it is the most exciting most happening you know best place that every retailer wants to be they're all excited to be there the retail spaces rent for extremely high amounts per square foot And it's because just this portion of this particular city, this is the epicenter of retail for that area. Um, And in this particular project, the the connection back to trash is not ideal. But when we talk to retail brokers about that location, the retail brokers always say the same things. And that is these retailers want to be there so badly, they don't care about the connection back to trash. Mm. And so when we talk about the viability of of retail space at this particular corner on this project, right now, it's not a place that retailers want to be for all the reasons that we've discussed. But if context were to change in the future, then dealing with a long walk to trash is less of a burden if they are just that excited and that energized to be in that location. Um, so, you know, as as the whole BCX zone evolves and changes um, and, and pedestrian traffic increases because there's, you know, more residential developments or more, more um, uh, mixed use developments in the site in general, the more likely it is that retailers will go, it's okay that I'm further from trash. But at this current point in time, that's just one more thing that they're going to look at and go, this is too inconvenient. This is not a good place for me to be. It's um, it's too much of a hassle to try to own and operate under the current conditions and they wouldn't be interested in it. Whereas as things change in the future, they'll be more likely to be lenient on those kind of things if the environment is set.
0: Okay. All right. I I, I understand. I guess that the the uh, how the board feels is that uh, the southeast, um, due to its nature and the connection with the other properties, needs uh, more uh, treatment, uh, more refined treatment. And uh, maybe that's expressed through art or some other um, techniques. Uh, We would like to um, just see if the applicant can place a special emphasis on um, basically providing more amenities to that area that could bring or create more character to the entire um, basically development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
7: That makes sense.
0: Okay. Um, Board members. Is there anything else, or do you feel that this has captured all our comments?
8: Our um, our land use attorney is raising her hand, Jesse Klassen, and the attendees. Um, Is it possible to allow
9: her to speak?
0: I don't foresee an an issue.
3: John and uh, Tony, would that be okay? Yeah, it should be fine. She's part of the applicant team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry,
12: I, I registered as a panelist, but I don't think I was enabled and it's fine. I just wanted to ask if, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of very detailed question or uh, comments. I'm wondering if this is something that we can work with Tony on. Um, this has been a quite long meeting. This is our, I don't know how many it's been, but you know, these meetings tend to run, you know, three, three and a half hours long. But I'm wondering if these details based on you know, your comments can be worked on with the planner rather than have another one of these meetings.
2: I would like to see them.
0: Yeah,
9: I'll yeah, just
2: like
0: uh, be, uh, I'll get ahead of uh, the staff. And I would say that these comments that we are uh, providing uh, to the applicant are based on the design guidelines. And we feel that it's under the DRBs authority to um, review them uh, during these um Review stage. So, um, Tony John, I'll let you just provide some comments, but we'd like to to see these.
2: And Carlos, I just wanted to clarify that if we, as a DRB, is being asked to waive certain design guidelines requirements, then we should be allowed, or we should be reviewing the alternatives to determine that what they're proposing is all an alternative is equivalent or better than what's being taken away.
5: Exactly. And that was the question, right? If we're, giving, uh, if we're giving away to a variation based on a superior design and we are the design review board, then I believe it is our duty to do our best to confirm that this is the superior design.
12: So respectfully, next time we come back, we will show the the language of the code that talks about the Design Review Board's authority to reduce commercial. It doesn't talk about better design. It talks about when commercial is not feasible in the area. And I think that's part of why Tony's um, recommendation was that they agreed with our assessment of commercial is not feasible. Uh, is, is not feasible at this time in this area. But we'll we'll show that for the next time. I just, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask these questions. Thank you.
2: Well, um, then I would like to ask staff to explain to us how that's a design review.
3: Amy, you got muted. Amy,
2: you're muted. I would like to ask staff to pr- explain to us how that's a design review purview. If all we're doing is simply Um, accepting whatever staff's recommendation is.
0: I I, I believe that the point here, um, beyond uh, the fact that we need to, uh, or we are asking the applicant to provide specific design uh, techniques for different areas, is to make sure that um, what the applicant is requesting as um, changes to the use of commercial uh, where true block pathways are and uh, areas um, regarding building frontage is properly addressed. I I believe that uh, right now we're at uh, the good stage where uh, if we're gonna um, approve these um, modifications, uh, we need to um, see that the applicant provides superior design on other areas. So, I mean, I don't know, Tony uh, or John, if you have any other comments, but uh, we, as the board, believe that we would like to uh, review these uh, design um, decisions or design revisions that the applicant uh, has been uh, requested to provide for future meetings.
4: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, as far as the, the number of items that you are providing today is something that is beyond something that, that staff would would normally review. Um, you know, as far as Amy's question, you know, we we simply made a. a uh, our guidance or recommendation, I guess, it really was just kind of a, or I guess it was more of an analysis. Um, as you can see in the staff report, we provide that, and but we also say that the the decision is ultimately up to the the design review board to make sure the applicant's request uh, complies with the applicable design guidelines. So that's 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 really where we're coming from on on that perspective. Um, so uh, the one thing I did want to add, I, I know there was some discussion about the the weather protection. I think we want to see more more details on the the weather protection plan and and where, where that those things are located just make that clear
0: yes clarify the uh, locations where um canopies or overhangs are being provided and with dimensions if possible just to understand and um, tony could you clarify are weather protections required along commercial frontages right not residential
4: Yeah, well we'll provide the guidance on that. I I can't speak because it (laughs) it, it comes from different sections of the code. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure there's there's different requirements for if it's a through block pathway or a ped path or things like that. So we'll we'll provide guidance on that.
0: Perfect. Thank you. That would be much
2: appreciated. Carlos. Carlos, Oh, um, excuse me, John. Um I just wanted to follow up. Um, so for our next meeting, I would also request staff to um Review um, with us why we concluded that um, somehow on street parking is a reason not to require commercial uses along those through blocks. I mean, I don't, I I can't remember the, the, you know, how we got to where we are today from what I'm hearing.
0: I guess that Tony, like is
2: there the is there a way why? Yeah, but Tony, I don't want to belabor that yeah. discussion tonight, right? But <laughs> I think if we're gonna have that, mm. um, you know, that uh, discussion about the the, you know, what are we really approving for the next, you know, um, as an alternative to not not providing commercial, it would just be a good um, context for how. Um, you know, in, you know, when you're going to talk to and explain, um, I mean, I think what you just clarified that design review board is still basically um, the authority that um, gets to review and determine uh, what is um, compliant to the design guidelines. I mean, that's also very helpful. So I just want to have a very good solid foundation um, and obviously, for the rest of the DRB or the Design Review Board to understand, um, since we have some new members here, how we um, how staff concluded that um, you know they can you know I mean in other words, like where where did that come from? This whole problem, why they can't provide on street parking?
3: Yeah, well. We'll provide clarity on that, Amy. Um, and I just wanted to mention, um, per the comments on the, you know, the modification on the requirement for retail along the through-block pathways. I just want to clarify the board. So we need to be careful when we're reviewing per the guidelines, because when you look at the guidelines, there's no requirement for a trade-off for providing superior um, design. So just be careful with that. The criteria calls out for approving a modification if it, if we can determine where there would be less successful or viable commercial space along the frontage. So the reasons that are laid out by the applicant were reasons why they felt it was not viable or it would be less successful for retail to be located in certain areas. So I just want to make sure we're, we're we're reading the guideline and interpreting it correctly. If if there is a if the board does want to see a, other amenities or design along the pedestrian frontages, I think you have to look at other guidelines uh, and not this one in particular. Sure,
2: and, we and do jump. have pedestrian. We do right. have pedestrian um, friendly requirement correct, correct. Right. and and ultimately the reason why we even have this commercial requirement is to activate the street right and the public realm
3: i think partially we can we could provide additional background on that as well okay yeah, yeah. on the on the on the code amendments and why they happened the way they did
0: so john i just that have a question helpful. about that yeah. um so you mentioned that the applicant um it's uh, to demonstrate that the commercial is not feasible um, for any location, for instance, right? Uh, but what if um, the specific use of the building wasn't defined during the conceptual design conference and then we're too far into just knowing that they uh, cannot provide that because the original massing and layout of the building wasn't intended to have retail along that area, right? So basically, we are getting trapped into, OK, well, yes, it was not disclosed that the massing of the building didn't uh, provide or comply with the successful potential successful use of retail at that corner. And therefore, we're now basically stuck on, OK, it cannot be commercial. It, needs to be something else. Mm. So it goes kind of like tied with the initial massing layout options,
3: right? Yes, I think in a way. But from what I recall, the board, because this was discussed at the conceptual, you know, both conceptual conferences, I believe. And then that Mm -hmm. the board was, and Tony, feel free to fill in, but I think the board was open to like um, um, not requiring retail along the through blocks for for these reasons. But I think the board wanted to get more information on it. And that's why the applicant came back this time with a more detailed rationale and plan as to why they feel that their design would comply. I don't know, Tony, maybe you can...
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that was was the case. I mean, I I think we really you don't look at, I mean, as far as uses and things like that, that's really kind of a, something that's really left to this stage of the, of the, the process. And so I think we, we mentioned it as, as a code requirement, and the applicant mentioned they would like to pursue that, but we didn't do any analysis of it at that, that time and, and um, again, left it for this process. Because if that is the case, then the applicant Mm.
0: would have need to provide a massing option with an street that would allow parking at that area to make it basically successful, right? Because I believe that the argument before and this is this were way many months ago was Mm -hmm. that we couldn't use the parking of the joining properties because it's not it's not well, it was not the applicant's property. Correct. So that's why we got stuck with uh, just having um, non-commercial uses for those corners, because basically the the other streets are private streets for the other applicant for the other um, property owners, and the other property owners didn't get into uh, an agreement on the true block connection.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things to consider yeah. too. I mean, because. Yeah. Because there's code that talks about parking lots, um, yeah. joint uh, near property lines. So then you'd run into that issue if you had a parking area that was near mm-hmm. a, a non-street. Because these aren't really these aren't really streets. Again, these are these are um, private property. Um, they're not. Yeah. And so uh, private streets, I guess. Uh, okay. They're not public right. So yeah.
11: I think I think Tony hits it very well right there because we're talking about a through box. Passage that was negotiated through the city council and through the planning commission, and it isn't a street. And so, when you go to retail and you really start looking at retail saying, How is it going to be successful? You've really got to have street frontage and a drive aisle going into a parking lot of a a shopping center that's not yours, that you don't own. And doesn't isn't even required to make your building work, is not conducive to making retail work. And then on the south side of the building, there happens to be a drive aisle that comes through there right now, but the the owner of that property may take that away, and there may be another fire lane. And so all you have is a promenade. It's coming through there, and retail will not survive just on a promenade. And so, unless the population in this area really expands, and so I, I, you got to we've got to go back as to why the through block thing was put into this thing that allowed them to put more, put more units or two more floors on these built these this building to begin with. But then we have to look at it and say, okay, what well, really does make retail work and just putting retail in to put retail in doesn't prove anything. You you want the project to be successful all the way around because a successful project pushes the community and pushes the area. And if it doesn't work, then you you have something. And I would rather err to the side of not enough retail at this location you let the next project pick that up than trying to force retail into an area that just doesn't. And I mean, the economics of this, it doesn't, to me, it just, it, I, I've dealt with a lot of development and looked at economics and it, just, there's too many things here that are going against the economics of the retail. And I think the key to it is that through block because it's not a street. It's nothing more, really, it's nothing more than a sidewalk, realistically. It just happens to be on the north-south side that yeah, there's drive aisles to the parking lot from the property to the south. So uh, I, I don't, you know, again, and I agree that, do we get a trade-off because well gee we'll take the commercial out but we get a trade-off back. That's I don't see that in the code anywhere. I don't see that where that would be. So uh, I you know we need to look at that as another way. And that is,
2: well so different. so I think that um, this narrative or this belief that on-street parking is what's going to make retail there successful. Is a myth because those on-street parking, even if they were provided, won't be enough. They would have to provide parking inside their building, in their garage.
11: Um, well, I, but you're you're saying on-street parking, but we don't even, on the two sides that we're talking about removing the commercial, aren't even streets. Well, and, not, and that's why, that's why public... I'm
2: saying that has, that is not, that is not a good enough reason to say that the commercial would fail. So, so what, like
9: what, the cows, the, what I'm trying me, to Amy. say,
2: I'm tr- what I'm trying to say is that um, there's a code that has requirement for retail and commercial um, parking, right? Um, they could easily put that in the garage, but they chose not to because parking spaces cost a lot of money. So well, well, this let's, is really let's look at the, more about the economics of I'd I have to ask the, the question.
11: I'd have to ask the question to look at the property lines.
2: Yeah, so I'm not. No, I'm not. It's
11: a landlocked site. No, and, and that's why I'm no saying. There's no street on the south and there's no street on the east.
2: No, I'm and not so talking about on street parking.
11: I. Why are I'm we talking about on street parking? Because there's no street. Or well, t- because think you're, we are are, you're only arguing, uh, you're, only arguing
2: uh, you're thinking that commercial uses, that is dependent on on-street parking. And I'm saying, no, it's not.
11: Those no, I'm not. Parking throw, throw, are, the parking, throw the parking out, park under the building. Commercial depends on exposure. And the south side of the building has really zero exposure because the property owner on the south controls that. They come in and start a project tomorrow and build up against this building and their property line. You've killed that retail. And the same thing on the east because you don't control the property. Now, well, if it's a public, street, you, you if can, it's a public street. If it's
2: a public street. If you have two neighboring properties, for example, for strip malls, and they're across each other. Even though they're owned by two separate property owners, you can see across the street what that property or what that retail is. You can always cross the street In this particular strip mall with multiple property owners, there's no I mean, there's no reason why the retail would be killed just because it's there's an imaginary property line that nobody sees. As far as if I'm a shopper, exist. I'm not going to see that, oh, there's a property line that I can't cross. I'm going to walk from my, you know, I go shopping. At, if I go shopping at the grocery outlet and I see that there's some cool, I don't know, a coffee shop, maybe, I don't know, or a flower shop that I need to go to, I will cross that property line and walk over.
5: I totally agree with Amy. I think this is kind of a difference and not in a bad way of uh, living, you know, suburban living versus city living because uh, in the suburban way of living, we, um, in a way, we are not encouraged to explore whatever is beyond our immediate Boundary. I don't know exactly how to define that, but this is how I feel. Whereas, for example, a city by nature is more activated and we want to create a more activated environment. And this is created by all those. It's like the, the, the life that is happening between the destinations and the way we create all those uh, points and all those um places of interest is by planting them, sometimes in very unexpected areas. And it doesn't mean that we need to park right in front of uh, the shop or very close to it to discover it. Because just like what Amy said, if we're walking by and we see something that attracts our eye, if we see a plaza that is unique and interesting, if we have a connection, because we know that a member of our community kind of made this place happen and make it made it interesting and cheerful and whatnot then this is on the contrary this is a reason for us to go and explore and and relate to the place you know activate the place bring friends over like hey at least look at what i found here you would have never guessed so i think this is just a different perspective but um i i respect both perspectives but Because I come from a city, I tend to agree with Amy uh, on
0: that. uh, John, uh, Tony, is there anything else that uh, you guys need from us tonight? Um,
4: So the biggest thing right now would be, so before we can um, move on, um, is Mm -hmm. to uh, determine a potential date for the project to come back before you. And so we have upcoming meetings um, would be, and this is kind of a question for the applicant would be, so we have two meetings, July. Uh, First one is July 3rd, second one is July 17th. Um, The biggest thing is we need to have the packet from the applicants at least two weeks before the meeting. Um, So obviously July 3rd would mean we'd have to have the packets Uh, on June 19th and July 17th would be the packet on July 3rd. Um, So I I guess that's a question to the applicants to see when they believe they can address these concerns and and, uh, have a packet to staff for distribution.
12: I have a question as to whether July 3rd is a valid date given the July 4th holiday after. Will board members be here?
4: Yeah. yeah, that that obviously would be the the other thing. We'd have to make sure that we have enough um, members for July 3rd. Um, so I guess that's the first question.
3: Um, yeah, so board, board uh, members, are will you be available July 3rd?
0: I <laughs> think that I can start. Uh, I'll be out on
3: <laughs> July 3rd.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll be back on. Uh, um
9: July 5th so I'm going to be out from the 3rd till July 5th Other Amy? Members. I will make myself available Shoshana
5: um I have a trip planned. I'm not sure about the date yet. I will try as soon as I know the design review board meeting, I will try to set my dates around it if it will be possible. Randall,
9: I can be available. Sapriya.
1: No, for the third, I'm not around.
0: I guess that we all need to circle back with Tyler and Fatima, just to make sure that... Right. Uh,
4: yeah, and I maybe mean... Maybe
2: we can um, have a special meeting and on a different date. Um, can, can I
7: ask the question? This is this is um, something that our team is going to want to give some legitimate thought to. Uh, is it possible for us to work with Tony to settle in on a date, or does it have to be established in this meeting?
4: So the issue is, if if it's not established at this meeting, we'll have to do a a re-notice. And so that requires us to notice that I think at least 14 days in advance. Um, So typically, that's why we we try to to continue it to a date specific. Um, We can, if... um, I mean, we could say... John, maybe you can help me. We could say... July 3rd and poll and see if we had enough mm-hmm. um and if that wouldn't doesn't work we could open that meeting on July 3rd and continue it to to the 17th um so i know it's it's just it's just again to avoid noticing or we just renotice it um i mean that's i see yeah i think we
3: just need to continue to the 3rd and if for whatever reason we don't have a quorum we can we can either do a renotice and do a you know we'll find a special meeting date in lieu of um, or yeah I think we just might just have to continue it to the seventeenth.
10: Okay, man. This is Amanda um, with the this is Amanda speaking. with the applicant team. Um, can I ask a question about um, when would we need books uh, due to you, Tony? If we were to go on the third,
4: uh, that would be June twentieth. So, uh, or I'm sorry, June June nineteenth. So it'd yeah, be two, it's two, two, weeks two weeks from
10: today, I, I'm yeah. really concerned yeah. that we're not going to have enough time to put together the presentation that we want to in okay. two weeks time. Okay. Um, and so, if we go for the third, and then we have to reschedule because I, I mean, I don't want to renotice, obviously, right. but I'm I'm concerned about time. And so, I, I wonder if we just go for the 17th. Right. And our our presenters are out that week also. So I think that's a okay. problem. <laughs> the week okay. of the third. Yeah.
4: Okay. Um, so continuation to July 17th would work yes. for you guys. Thank you. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there we go.
10: Perfect. So I think that
0: um uh sums up for this uh uh for this design response conference. Thank you to the applicant for staying this
4: late. John, do we need to make a formal uh, motion? Yeah, motion. Or a
0: motion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, would anyone with uh, board like to make a motion to continue this meeting on um, July um is it
9: seventeenth? Yes.
2: Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um, I move that um we continue that the design review board continue the review of Madera at Bridal Trails on July 17, 2023,
5: at 7 p.m. I second.
0: Move and second. All, all, all those in favor, please say aye.
5: aye. Aye. Aye.
0: Those opposed? Okay. Motion carries. So, um, we'll uh, continue with the Modera Bright Trails uh, Design Response Conference on um, July 17th, 2023. Thank you to the applicant. Thank you,
2: thank you so much. Thank you. Thank
0: you you so much. Right, Uh, just to continue with the agenda tonight, uh, I guess that we have already done the uh, poll for attendance. Yeah, but we'll- we'll
3: well, actually, we'll follow up with everybody else because I think we might have an item for that for that night. Um, so we'll have um, you'll probably hear from Liz just to confirm later okay. this
0: week. Yeah, all right, that's uh, it for me. Thank you very much, John and Tony, as well, for sticking this late, and all the staff from the city of Kirkland. Uh, and uh, I guess that that sums up for so. Anyone would like to suggest an adjournment? I can make a motion, we adjourn.
5: I um, second to that too.
0: Move and second. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Aye.
11: Aye.
0: aye.
5: aye.
0: <laughs> we are adjourned. Thank you Thanks for all. your time and uh, hope to see everyone next time.
5: Hope Thank you have you. a good night. 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 Thank,
9: Thank you, everyone. Sad.